Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to another Crypto Maniacs podcast. And we've got a doozy for you guys today. This is going to be a legendary show. I can already feel it. Uh, of course, join with uh, w the man, the myth, the legend, Taskmaster, in, in all his glory is here. Uh, but uh, he hit me up a couple of weeks ago and he was like, we are bringing back the Speak Network. So that is, they call me Dan and Starkers, and these guys are here. First of all, they're back to give us an update, but also with the bombshell they launched, uh, announced, excuse me, last week with the one-to-one -one airdrop with Larynx and Hive. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's just get right into it. Task, good to see you, man. Dan, Matt, welcome back. Looking forward to this. Let's dive in. Get to know what's going on with this airdrop and everything going on with the Speak Network. Who Yo. starts? I, I take us uh, off, Matt. We we could take uh, rock paper scissors. Well, <laughs> before we get to the drop, I, I I do have something that that I would would like to to touch upon with with Dan, because I I really do think it sets the stage for not only Speak Network, but some of the other things that, that appear to be going on uh, with Hive and, and associated projects. And the reason why I'll direct it to you, Dan, is you've been writing and speaking about this for, well, most of this calendar year and probably into to uh, before this calendar year. But <clears throat> you've called Bitcoin a unicorn, um, proof of work, uh, it just Satoshi hit it right at the pr perfect time, kind of flew under the radar for 10 years. Proof of work is inefficient, uh, seems to be a good store of value, in your opinion, probably won't be duplicated. It will be a successful project. Bitcoin is, is, is cemented in history, uh, if you will, and probably has, uh, from a token perspective, some upside. But as part of this magical shift to web 3.0 um you know it's kind of limited in what it can do then we have proof of stake and uh this is where i'd like to get your comment to start of course we have ethereum which is the second biggest proof of work chain they have scaling issues they have transaction fee issues i guess they presume they're going to solve that because they're switching over to proof of stake at least the scaling we have we don't know where the transaction issues are going to uh come in at um at least the fees associated with them i should say and i mean i hold some ethereum i, I believe you do too you said that you know from a, a token price Ethereum's probably going to do very well. It's a rich person's change. Maybe the banks will take it over, whatever. But there's people who will pay those fees because they're playing with big numbers. And, you know, 50 or 100 bucks when you're pay playing with a million dollars is really nothing. But the thing that really intrigues me is you've taken the approach, and, and I'd like you to share with what you think some of the problems are with Ethereum switch. And I guess it's more indicative of proof of stake in general you don't believe it appears that proof of stake is a viable pathway to web 3.0 it'll have some successes but it's rather limited so would you care to ex explain on that and tell us what you think the drawbacks there are yeah um first with bitcoin the proof of work the reason i think it's only going to happen 
with Bitcoin is we're not even on mass scale yet. Once Bitcoin hits mass scale, it's going to take up a lot of energy. A lot of that's going to be clean, but a lot of it can be bad. If it can be bad, it will be bad. Um, you're not going to have duplicate of those. You're not going to have two world eaters as it was. It just it, it, <clears throat> In this day and age, it wouldn't survive. It would just be destroyed by regulation. If you try to do something other than the, the SHA-56 that Bitcoin is, then you have to get a whole new industry, right? You need ASICs. You need your own brand. Like there's a lot like Bitcoin being first sort of molded and plowed its way in where it's like, okay, we have special specialized miners, all the overhead, all the mining power, all the infrastructure has been built for that to replicate that twice is, is very difficult. That's why proof of stake, as you get into these, really, I just call it coin voting. Coin voting is a lot more efficient, right? You don't need the, the big mining rigs. You don't need that infrastructure. You don't need that specialized chip. You rely on the underlying asset as a skin in the game approach. And when you get the proof of stake, which Ethereum right now, I would say it's more decentralized than it will be when it switches to proof of stake. Once you move to coin voting, that's when the um, the pre-mine, the ICO, right? Joe Lubin, one of the big guys in the ETH Foundation, he was one of the biggest buyers of Ethereum at a dollar, who could be cheaper. Where are the books? Who knows, right? This is just all trust. But we do know he was a large buyer himself in the ICO. So not only did he get a founder's cut, he also was a large buyer in the ICO. And who knows if he sold those or if he just set up a mining rig from the start and started mining and only accumulating more. Um, so th that that right there, it's very difficult when you start off uphill, right? We understand that, right? We tried to fight our way out. Um, we see what power and connections combined with pre-mines can really do. So as you move to coin voting, one of the reasons... And this is all speculation from here on out what I'm about to say. But one of the reasons I think he's against delegated proof of stake is because delegated proof of stake coin voting really puts the, the light on the holders. It's like, who, how much do you have? On proof of stake, it can be kind of mystery. It's all thousands of nodes and it's all, un, you know, it's all unconventional the way you do it. There's no diplomatic process. There's no reputation involved to be a node. So you can kind of sweep that pre-mine under the rug, say nothing to see here. But when you're talking about delegated proof of stake, you're like, whoa, this guy has one vote compared to this guy who has 10,000 votes and he's in consensus. There's obviously something wrong here with the with the, the stake. And you understand really quickly, as we have, even on Steam, we knew who the large holders were. We're like, okay, we had this freedom guy. We don't know really who he is. But um, we we understand he's anonymous and you have, you know, you have your blockchains. Obviously, we had the Steam and Inc. back in the day. So we knew where the holders were. Um, so, uh, you know, Vitalik, kind of was young when this happened, raised money, everything shiny, new. You don't understand the implications of, of governance years and years down the line when you run in such a, an ICO and all this. And now it's sort of like, okay, well, I've made my bed. I have to sit in it. How do we get away from coin voting? How do we do all of these gymnastics to try to cure a pre-mine, essentially, put a Band-Aid on a broken bone when it just can't happen? You have to have a community for it. No one can have controlling stake. Um, if you're going to have any kind of coin voting. So I think as they switch to proof of stake, um, which let's let's be honest, um, proof of stake divulges down to a handful of mining pools. We already see how proof of work. You can see that in all the coin voting systems that we see, no matter what, you need 32 ETH to be a validator. Sure, you can vote to make that lower, but you already see where the range is. If it's anything over $100 to be an ETH validator, that's that's wiping out 85% of the population. If it's anything over 1,000, 90. 10,000, 99% of the people can't, can't get involved. And if you can't delegate your little bit in terms of, oh, well, I'm forced to delegate to the gorilla in the room, meaning I, I have to delegate to the most powerful mining pool. I don't have a choice. 
because they're the ones with the resources. They're the ones that are going to pay the best. So they get there through through a guerrilla approach, meaning I'm stronger, bigger. I don't care if you don't like me. You might think I'm unethical, but I'm I'm the game in town. And you have to delegate to me because you're too small and insignificant to do it yourself. Well, on delegated proof of stake, you can delegate a dollar's worth of vote to, to, to somebody you like. And they don't necessarily have to be this big infrastructure powerhouse. So proof of stake divulges down into delegated proof of stake. The only difference is there's no voting. There's no accountability. There's no ability for the stakeholders to have a say at all. And it's much more discombobulated. It's a lot harder to have upgrades. They're trying to move it to a vanilla base layer where it's never, ever going to change. Right. That's what they thought about Bitcoin all those years ago. Um, we're too early into this. We have no idea what the base layer is going to be. You need the, the, you need decentralized governance to have these features and these upgrades going. So that, that's just it's a mouthful, but that's sort of where I'm at in terms of them sort of going headfirst into coin voting. I think they're going to have a lot of problems in terms of attack vectors. So if, it, if I think they, it'll be um, a slow takeover, though. It won't be fast. It'll be pulling the the, the, the wool over your eyes, um, so to speak. It won't be like a Justin Sun. I think people have learned their lesson there. If well, to me, on the other hand, um, if the communities have got any sense um, with these stake uh, delegated, uh, sorry, proof of stake voting mechanisms that are coming up, I think we're entering the age of um, community forks. I think if the communities have got any sense, they'll recognise that they're, they're overlords, as, as we should probably call them. The people, these people, have got 60, 70, 40 percent of the stake in these proof of stake systems. They they represent a massive threat to the, to the to the ecosystems that they're within, and everyone might say, oh, you know, they invented the tech, they're really clever, they're really good guys, all this stuff and stuff. But ultimately, if you're sitting there with that much stake and you haven't managed to, to distribute it yet, you're a risk. You're a risk to the system. And so the, the communities themselves have got a massive inherent um, incentive to to fork you out of the chain. And so we may be entering a period of um, communities forking their founders out of the the chains that they hold majority stakes in um, and i don't think this has been understood properly by the founders yet uh, as is apparent because these founders haven't divulged their stake um so it's going to be an interesting time i think yeah and that's that, where i think let me jump in real quick sure. before i forget um and that's where i think hive is sort of like this bitcoin-esque approach because we're entering the age of community forks and we were sort of the first and we laid the blueprint on what enemies should not do. And we've been wanting to fork forever. There's been politics wanting to fork this pre-mine ever since, this ninja mine out since inception. We're definitely not the first ones. To, um, to, you know, to, the Justice Sun wasn't the first event. But we just couldn't agree because if, if there's no fire, people are like, well, you do this. There's politics. There's, well, I want to have, you know, there's egos. And it's just difficult to get a large group of people to just say, okay, let's go here. But when the house is on fire, everybody runs out. There's no there's no reason to stay there. And so I, that's why I think Hive sort of is separated from it because, yeah, we're going into this community fork, but the way it happened on Hive, I don't see happening again. And if you want to have an Ethereum fork or a community fork on these other chains, it's going to be fractured. You're going to have three, four, five. Um, it's going to be much more fragmented, in my opinion, than what the, the clean chop that Hive was. So I just wanted to put that in perspective. That, that makes a lot of sense. And you you provided a, a good backdrop as to uh, the comparison of, of proof of stake and, and DPOS, delegated proof of stake, which now I, I'd like to delve into. Uh, and it's interesting because with Speak Network, 
you guys brought to the table peer plays. We see out of Hive IO, we've seen a post or two about some discussion or collaboration of some sort with Telos. Uh, that would be my first question to, to you, either of you. Uh, any idea what that collaboration is? Do you guys have your finger uh, on the pulse of the developers in those conversations? Uh, or do you have as much of an idea as John and I? We're talking to peer plays. No, the Telos, the 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 Hive IO. Oh uh, yeah, we're we're just you know you, you guys might even know more than us. Um, oh okay. I know that <clears throat> I'm just looking for anything to come out of it for sure. Yeah. Okay. Now we we, we were thinking, Tasmus. We we were thinking about um, having some hot some, I guess, peer play Telos Sons set up, so that we can have a a very easy transfer method between. Telos tokens and peer plays tokens, and then get them onto the peer plays decks, all that type of stuff, and then get them access to all the other cool stuff that's being built on the peer plays chain. So that's certainly one of the things that I would be really interested in in doing. Um, how how short term that is, how near term that is, I don't know, but it's certainly something that's in in the you know in the pipeline, and I'd be very very interested in supporting that uh, to make it happen on on the kind of graphene ecosystem that we have here. So for sure. Well, and, and that's exactly where I was going with this, we, with the the collaboration between peer plays with Telos, with Hive, all of which are these graphene-based DPOS-type systems. Dan Larimer, um, with his infamous tweet now that uh, he put out last week, which Dan, uh, Dan kind of uh, went off on, on the CTT podcast. But um, you, you have this code that, I, and I'm not a developer, I guess it's very similar. So there's a lot of similarities and, and a lot of things there. But it seems to be that there's now a underlying push to say, okay, it's not Hive that's going to lead us necessarily into Web3 alone. It's going to be DPoS. It's going to be Graphene. It, there is open source code that we can share with each other and we can leverage each other's uh, development abilities and, and communities and monetary resources to really push this stuff ahead. Is this something when you guys were planning your stuff for Speak Network that you kind of thought of, or it was just, oh, well, PeerPlace has what we're looking for better than anybody else, and that's where we're going to go just because it solves our needs? No, I, I would say we, we definitely went out of our way to make sure it was on Graphene, it was compatible with Hive. Last thing we wanted was discombobulated things. We've we spoke to many many teams. We went lots of places. We we've gotten to the point where it's like okay, we have blueprints built on Cosmos, all these different things. And then when it got down to it, it was like, well, this is how's it going to communicate with Hive? And that's where the rub was. That's where people were like, yeah, hey, well, you have to do this, that. We weren't satisfied. And really, Bobinson, I was kind of talking to Bobinson the whole time. He's my smart dev friend that I like to bounce ideas off of. And then he just sort of like, oh, well, yeah, we can do this, that, and that. And I was like, well, peer plays, isn't that graphene? And then before I realized, he's like, well, not only is it graphene, it's like, this is like, it is the same tech, like literally. Like, we everything was forked from bit shares, and all of the bit shares logic was taken out like a liver out of the body of this code. And now it's just a hole. And all you have to do is put it back. And that's how it was explained to me. So it's like, not only is this sister chains, it's, literally the same blood it's the same code it's not it's very you can, it won't be anything to start to in re um add organs take organs out move things around connect it and the way i look at it is hive as my big hedge is i think the pre-mine layer ones are not going to be 
um, you know, you might have a few that survive, but I think they're going to go by the wayside. And I think those truly censorship resistant technology that scales, important to scale, are going to shine. That's where Hive is my big hedge because I see graphene being severely overlooked. Everything Solidity, this, that, this new shiny thing, everyone's like overlooking the ham and cheese, the things that been here work. And the thing about this is it was just like the early internet. Everyone's focused on AOL, Costco, all this stuff. And it's like, here we are as a grassroots community. And we're like, okay, well, peer plays, you know, they have some backers, their graphing technology, and they're more of like a block one. If you think about it, they're not, they're not looking to own any blockchain. They're looking to improve the underlying graphene tech so then they can go to business to business and say, hey, let us hook this up for you. We're like the contractors. We're the plumbers. We can install this into your business. And they really like graphene tech because sports betting, the speed, accountability, all of that stuff. So when I look at it, it's like, okay, we have the underlying graphene tech. And then Hive is that, that censorship-resistant base layer where you can store the data, have the, the permanent account. Um, system, all that stuff that we need to, to keep track. And then the tentacles start to reach up and those are where the trees and everything start to grow out. And we absolutely need people to tend. Um, you know, there's no one on Hive that can really have the knowledge and dedicate all the time to build these decentralized gatekeepers, these are um, decentralized gateways to other chains, cross-chain communication. This is very advanced stuff, takes a lot of time, a lot of resources. We're asking too much of the core team to do it all. So what we were desperately looking for is, hey, how do we take the burden off of Hive Core? How do we start to get some of this graphene technology built up in a decentralized way where nobody's going to hold anything over us, right? There's no no soul keeping here. And that's where peer plays came in. And um, not only that is they've helped build Steam from the beginning. They're there in the bit shares. They Hive Core knows peer plays team very good. They helped at the inception of Hive. They've always sort of been, if you think of the Spartans and they're the other people that just kind of come out when you need them, forget the name, the, the arcade, whatever, whatever they were called, but they were vital, right? And I've always seen peer plays as sort of the, you know, they've always had our back, and I, I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot to be said to working, and we're continuing. Anyone else that's working on graphene, reach out. We're, we're definitely like, this is what we want to do. We want to um, build hubs to build this technology outside of decentralized governance, right? We can just do this stuff outside, right? We don't need consensus for this. We can just build it up and let the community choose if they want to adopt it or not. And one of the things that we're kind of banking on here is, is the Hive community stepping up here. Um, we were just going into a couple of NFT test nets with this technology. So, well, we've got the NFT test net, we'll have the token test net, and the, um, the, the wrapping or the SOMS technology test net coming up in the very near future. Um, and with that, we want to see members of the Hive community step up and run nodes. It's dead cheap to do, it's like a few, it's maybe 20 or between 20 and $50 a month. Um, and, and let's get these nodes kind of spread out and distributed and, and really show that this is a viable um, decentralized solution. Um, and then it's going to be a case of, well, do we integrate it fully into Hive Layer 1? Because as Dan was just saying, it's so easy to integrate. Although I shouldn't speak too soon. It's it's easy, maybe, maybe not that easy, but it's far easier than building it from scratch. Um, and... So that, that, that would be the ideal scenario. But if there's no time to do that or if, or if there's no resources to do that in the short term or medium term and it's more becomes more of a long term thing, then the question is, well, can we direct maybe direct some of the inflation from both the speak network and the, um, the hive network to to people who are running peer plays nodes? Um, it's not something that we've discussed at a high level yet, but it's certainly an idea that's on the table. And um, 
the idea would then be that we were able to use the Hive network and use the Speak network to incentivize people to get involved in running the Speak, the peer plays network. Uh, and it, it kind of brings in all the cross multidimensional stuff where you've got all of these different groups on <clears throat> this same base technology of graphene that that are able now to start working together, incentivize each other to, to run to run nodes and things like that. Um, and it's it's going to be super, super powerful and super, super important as we go forward. So looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, may, maybe following, maybe preceding that if we step back, because we, we got this backdrop of DPoS, of, of uh, peer plays and uh, uh, Telos maybe floating out there and, and whoever knows whatever else is out there. Uh, Telos, for those who don't know, was fork of EOS IO software, which was put together by, by uh, Block One. But Matt, maybe you could, because initially for, for those who aren't up to date, initially, Speak Network was brought to the community as, okay, decentralized video storage. And anybody who's read the light paper, anybody who read the proposal for um, your guys' funding, uh, it's gotten a lot bigger than that. Can you give us a brief overview, Matt, of where Speak Network fits into what we just outlined with these different chains and things like that? I mean, is this... I mean, what is it? Is this like just a bridge between these different things? Is it uh, a, an actual platform? What is it so people can understand what, what you're designing? Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure there's lots of different definitions of what the Speak Network is now. Um, and certainly, Dan, please feel free to chip in after I've said what I say. But to keep it really, really simple, basically, the Speak Network is an infrastructure network. Um, so at the moment, it, it runs content infrastructure. So that's um, storage, encoding, content delivery, validation of, of transactions and validation of, um, of people storing what they're actually saying they're storing. And then there's an incentive, incentive layer built on top of that that allows those nodes to be incentivized. Um, and the, 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 the play, kind of where it differs from Hive is that Hive's like the best text-based storage system in blockchain. And Hive runs a really great um, account system and all sorts of other things that Hive is really, really good at. But with the Speak Network, we'll be able to do that with video because it uses IPFS as the base for the storage. Um, and then we'll be able to do it with all sorts of other things like NFTs and um, images that Hive can't necessarily do from in, on a peer-to-peer -peer layer. So that's what the Speak Network will be. The Speak Network will be an incentivized peer-to-peer -peer layer to allow the various different things that Hive can't store directly on its own chain outside the chain, but still on a peer-to-peer -peer network next to Hive. Yeah, just to wrap that up, basically everything you said is what I was going to say. If you think of it as a off-chain solution, right? Right now, the only thing that we really know of are blockchain systems that incentivize, right? You have Bitcoin incentivizing Bitcoin to, to store the blockchain, and you go on down the library, it's the same thing. Everything's storing in that circular thing, which I think is... Um, it's too packaged. So the idea with using a, a fast feeless blockchain like Hive, using the Sun technology, you can now point anywhere and incentivize. And what the Speak Network is um, aiming to do is take the most neutral, standardized, off-chain storage me mechanism, which is IPFS. It was Torrents that's grown to IPFS, and we believe IPFS is the new Torrents. It's only going to become more neutral, more standard, more of the bedrock of, of Web3. And then we just add an incentive layer on top of that where we point a sun at it. We can track the data 
um, pay people to store that data in an autonomous, decentralized way. And what this does is it opens up a bedrock for, okay, well, we don't have to store everything on chain because I believe everything on chains has become much more expensive. And then from there, you have a bedrock of the base layer, speed network, um, the speak token, Braca systems to incentivize redundancy of file storage and, and CDN and everything you need to, to work a breakaway community. But on top of that, that's when, if you think of it as a foundation, from there you give communities the tools, badges of honors, earn NFTs, oh, this person's storing the most content in this community. Now you have little bedrocks, little islands on top of this foundation where they're double redundancy now. You have the speed network helping, but you also have your community token. And then you could just keep piling onto that where um, communities will have complete access to the redundancies and censorship resistance of their files, yet they also have the backbone of the speak network to keep it afloat if, if there's hard times. So that's sort of the goal. It, it might be best for one of you two to go through, you've each mentioned it a couple of times, what is a sun and, and how does that apply uh, for those who haven't read the, the light paper and things of that nature? Yeah, um, a, a sun is basically a, a pipe. It's the plumbing. It's this technology where you can connect a, a blockchain, right? You can say PeerPlays, Hive. PeerPlays just is the central hub of the technology. They're the um, creators of it. They're the ones working on it. So no matter what, you always want to be connected to the latest updates and all that. So you definitely want to be in contact with PeerPlays. But once you have your own sun, you sort of have your own independent. Right? It's a side operating node. That's the definition of their side chains. And you have your own DPoS consensus, essentially, and you can elect and, and however you want the validators to, to be incentivized and all that. But all it gives you is the, the tools saying, OK, here you have a sun. You can have, let's say, 20 hive sun validators. So just like we have 20 DPoS running this chain, you can have 20 running that chain. And then you have your own um, governance within that. And all it gives you the power to do is you have now on um, on-chain Oracle, but you can also point to off-chain or other blockchains who have Sun technology and communicate with them with ease. So, and, you know, all of these layer twos that are trying to be built on Ethereum, it's like, okay, well, we're going to be layer two and you're going to have to use us. We're like the one road that goes across the planet, which doesn't make sense, right? So that's what these layer twos on ETH, as opposed to Sun, is like everyone can just build their own street and we can connect, right? It's like you don't use the Hive Sun for everything. You use it when you want to communicate with Hive and peer plays and maybe, you know, Ethereum Sun and a, a Reddit Sun and a, and a you know, Speak Sun. Everything can have a Sun to where you just kind of, it's almost like a lightning network in that way. If you think it's like, okay, I can bridge the people who are connected to the Sun. If you're connected to the Sun, I can, I, I automatically have access to you now. If you don't, then I don't. So, um, you know, that's just the, the basic plumbing. And the more people that connect, the more um, it becomes a, a it becomes a game of gravity where the more people that connect, the more useful it is. So everyone's going to want to connect. And then it hits a tipping point where if you're not connected, then you're you're just a burden to your user base. So it just makes sense to connect. So that's where we that's where we're aiming to get where everyone has a son. Therefore, everyone can communicate easily and can throw all these stupid layer two ideas out the window in terms of how they're trying to do it over there on ETH. So, so the sun is basically, for, for a glorified way of phrasing it, a way to connect the communities. Is that, is that the proper understanding, Matt? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one way. The, the way I would look at it in a very simplistic way is that it's like a lightning node. You know, it's like what, what, what goes in between the lightning nodes. So if you've got a channel 
um, on the Lightning Network. That would be the equivalent of having a Sun, except obviously the, the channels on the Lightning Network allow you to send Bitcoin to each other. This is, it allows you to transmit any type of data to and from each other in a in an oracleized way <clears throat> so that you, you oh. can basically, you can, so, so if, if we've got a, an ETH Sun to Hive, then we can basically go reference the data on Ethereum and transfer it across to Hive in a standardized way such that it can be operated on Hive with all the benefits of the Hive network. Um, so it's just a channel. It's basically a channel that, through which information can be transferred and standardized and then you, and then standardized in such a way that it's useful on the other chain that it's being used on. Um, so it just it's just really cool because what it means, like Dan touched on that earlier, you don't even have to have blockchainized data. You could be referencing some other price feed or something like that. And it can be transferring that price feed across to another chain that then oper that then executes transactions in a more efficient way based on those price feeds <clears throat> than what could have been done on the previous chain. Um, so there's all sorts of different op applications like that that, that Sons will, will come into. But really, the initial the initial one is going to be um, the, the Hive Son, which will allow um, people to transfer Hive from Hive onto the peer plays exchange, and then exchange it over there basically in a decentralized way. Um, and then, of course, be able to then take other peer plays based tokens and move them back across to the Hive chain and operate them on there as well. Um, that's basically it. So it's like a channel. Um, and, and then the more of those channels that we can get running, the more fail safes there are, the more backups there are. Um, and then at a certain point, like I was saying, hopefully we can come up with a way to incentivize those, the operation of those from not only the chain where the information is being pulled from, but the, the chain where the main DEX is. So, if we can get some of those Hive Sons incentivized by peer place tokens, but also by Hive tokens, <clears throat> you've got this double incentive layer there as well, potentially for people to, to be incentivized to run those and just make the whole network a bit more anti-fragile. Um, so, that's, yeah, it's just really exciting. It's interesting that, that, you know, because when you look at most interoperability, it's always, well, swapping tokens. And, and you mentioned the idea of data. And, uh, you said it doesn't even have to be blockchain data. And I'm thinking here, not that they would ever do it, but YouTube could actually tie into three speak through a sun and have all their stuff channeled or, or directed towards three speak to allow for those applications or those features to be live on YouTube. Am I understanding that correctly? I mean, I guess you are, yeah, in principle. I don't know whether that would work or not. We haven't tried anything like that yet. Um, but we'll certainly, if that's possible, that is definitely something I'd be interested in doing. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, Odyssey already has a way to, to transfer the data from YouTube across the Odyssey chain automatically. Uh, so you don't necessarily need a song to do that type, of, that type uh -huh. of transaction. But maybe it's something that a song gets used for. Maybe we find that that's a more efficient way to use it as we get to it. Um, so we'll take we'll we'll see we'll take a look as as the time comes. What one thing and I forget excuse me which one uh, of you two mentioned it uh, or maybe you both did but the the Oracle situation and and we know the situation with uh, Chainlink that that is a uh, whole ecosystem that's designed to basically be an Oracle system because the problem as you just said Matt that. Yeah, it's one thing to get blockchain data, but there's a lot of data that applications need that aren't tied to a blockchain. Let's say off the top of my head, let's say stock price feeds and things of that nature. And, and that's something where Chainlink is trying to insert themselves as the go-to oracle that everybody can, 
can tie into, everybody who's blockchain-based can tie into, and they'll have all these feeds from, you know, weather and GPS data and stock data and commodity data and, and all this stuff. Is this something that is looking at providing the Oracle uh, capability uh, without going through all of that. So, I mean, if, if an application wants uh, stock data or weather data, they can just, you know, create a sun and, and tap into it. Yeah, you won't have to rely on Chainlink. Um, you know, you, you can look at Chainlink as a company. They're, they have the, the large pre-mine. They they're the large infrastructure providers. Um, if they were to go down for any reason or any funny business, you'd, you'd really be out of there. Whereas Sun puts the powers into community's hands, um, you know the price is right. You don't have to rely on anybody else, and it takes the burden off. Um, so yeah, they're they're just two completely different approaches. One is more of a um, hands-on. You have your own validators. You have your own oracle, and you can configure it and point it. And you always want, if you're going to transferring data, it's great to have an oracle baked in because it makes so many applications much much easier and possible to do like betting applications anything to do with keeping track of any kind of data which is basically everything so yeah i i definitely like it much better than the chain link version right because if you just think of chain link it's sort of its own standalone standalone platform um and it's just them right as opposed and you have to go into that so yeah i would say completely different um i much prefer this approach Next up, um, I think it's also important to, to discuss um, because I'm not sure if the community really understands all the opportunities that, that are going to be available through the Speak Network. And, I, don't, and I don't think we do either. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, I'm getting this from, from the light paper. So whoever wrote the light paper has, has at least some clue. Uh, you guys have termed it Mills. And when you start reading through the different mills that are there, and it's not only providing hard drive space for uh, video storage. I mean, there, there's the ability to get a little bit of, of rewards and be incentivized for watching ads. Uh, there's a host of things. I think you listed six or eight different things uh, in there. What is the potential here for the average user who says, you know what? I really don't make videos. Um, I got a little laptop here. or I, I do most of my stuff on my smartphone, so I can't provide a lot of storage. Why should they be interested in what's going on with Speak Network? And what opportunities are there for those type of people? Dan, do you want to, do you want to part to this? Yeah. So <clears throat> the idea is, first, if you're just talking about communityless, you're just coming on like it's a, like it's a buffet. You're not really a part of anything. Yeah, you can you can power up some miners. You can you know if you get if you get like let's say you get a free airdrop with your hive tokens. You're not sure what to do with them. Let's say you wanna you wanna stake those, burn them, and, and be a part because you're watching, consuming anything anyway. You know we want to make it easy for everyone to get involved, big or small, because you know the the adds up. Where we really want to take this is you start to join a community, and now it's like okay, well, I'm storing this community's content that I watch, and now yeah, I can earn some speaker rewards, but now I'm earning clout within my community because it's it's a it's transparent who's storing what. You just click on a profile and be like, oh wow, this guy stores ten percent of the network. Like you know, he he gets some badges, he gets some honors, you get some ranks, 
and really just give all these tools to let communities go wild with their communications. And then before you know it, you're going to have these citadels where it's like people are just backing it up for quote unquote free, but clout's not free. Power is not free. Respect, reputation, that, that all has to be earned and it can't be bought. Things that can't be bought, people think they're free, they're, they're valueless, they're actually the most important. So we want to tap into that because there's so much value that's out there that's not being tapped into, that's not being looped into this circular positive feedback where, you know, reputation, all these things matter. So one day we hope to see you enter the um, a community and before you know it, you're like, you know who the big shots are, you know, the people who are actually helping the infrastructure and you're like, wow, this thing feels different like this is really community owned like you can literally see how community owned this thing is um, so that's that's the goal in my opinion i just want to clarify as well <clears throat> um things like watching ads for example we certainly had that in the pipe work when we, when we wrote the light paper um but a lot of the tech is new and we have to check to see how it gets built and everything so it's it's not necessarily something we're going to have instant straight away when we start the network running it's certainly something we'll work on and we'll try our best to make that happen in, in some kind of fair, um, non-gameable way. If we find that, we'll definitely be doing our best to implement that. Um, so there's, there's a couple of things in the light paper that are kind of just goals and aims of the project that we may not get perfectly right straight away. For example, um, running a CDN um, won't necessarily be re rewarded with speak straight away because that mechanism is far more complicated than the mechanism for um, tracking what people are storing, who will be rewarded with the speak governance token. Um, the same thing for encoding as well. We think encoding is going to be kind of a peer-to-peer -peer private deal where if the mobile users who can't do any encoding via mobile contact a list, you know, they'll be able to see a list of encoders and those lists of encoders will have a set of prices and then the mobile user will be able to go to them to get the encoding done and pay some BRACA. Um, as time goes on, of course, we want more effective ways to track the network and actually reward those people with speed governance token because we want to make sure that's as distributed as possible. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so there's like a few things in the light paper that are visions. That, I mean, it's all, it's all a vision, really. Uh, and we're just trying to now build that out as practically as possible and we'll see where we get to, basically. Um, in terms of, you know, why sh people should be getting involved in this stuff, if, if you take a look, um, I mean, re recently, probably six months ago, we, we posted a couple of our pieces of content to the Leo Finance Network without really realizing it because we just tagged it as one of the communities. And then it turns out that we've got a certain amount of tokens that we didn't realize that we had, you know? And we just kind of turned on one day, like, I had to kind of rub my eyes and be like, have we really that, got that many Leo tokens? <clears throat> and, 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 then, and then you realize the Leo price is growing and, you know, after several years, what's it going to be worth, you know? Um, and, and then and then you start to see those other tokens that we've been given for different things that we hadn't realized that we'd done. And and now it's like it's like it's almost like if you're if you're starting new on Web3, I find it insane that people are still post into Web2. I really do. The <laughs> fact that you're, you're, you're like under under the cosh of any Web2 company that can delete you anytime they like. You should be you should be using your Web2 as a traffic funnel to traffic people to Web3. Uh, and then on that Web3, if you go about it in a systematic way, unlike where I was just saying, oh, we turned on one day and found out we've got these Leo tokens. We haven't been very good at it, but there's certainly people within Web3, and you guys are probably two of the best guys, where you're very methodically, systematically understanding where the value is, posting to those value systems, and slowly but surely over time, not receiving tons and tons of cash and money and, and NFTs and things like that, but slowly but surely over time, it's building. And, and all of a sudden, in five years from now, you look back, and you're going to have a million dollars worth of tokens. 
you know, and then different NFTs and things like that. But it's the same on the Speed Network. The Speed Network will, will be almost exactly the same model. It's just another dimension to it because it's, an, it's another type of storage. <clears throat> it's another type of interaction that you get with the Web3 network uh, compared to Hive. And so as a result, we can, you know, I can envisage all sorts of, commu all sorts of communities, community tokens popping up, community-driven NFTs, that you're going to start receiving for taking part in XYZ activity that that community wants you to take, put, take part in. And so just, just interacting with these systems over time is valuable. And the difference with Web2 is that this value is locked into your account and um, it's locked into your followers, it's locked into your token balances, and it's locked into your token market caps over time as they grow. Um, and, and so, yeah, just whoever gets involved basically, but if you can follow guys like you guys who are systematically getting involved and figuring out the cleverest ways to do it, uh, I think people can make some serious, serious money. Uh, John, one thing you're going to want to do, cut that clip that Matt just did and yeah. send it to Pomp because Pomp obviously missed what Matt just said. He he needs to watch that a few times. Can I Can I Can we just... I gotta ask a question about this the pomp drama from yesterday. <laughs> the last few the last few days of pumping. <laughs> the last few days of pumping. Oh, um <laughs> like because he's borderline maxi, do you think he purposely ignores all of the stuff being built on like hive, for example? Um, and just like here's the one of the biggest guys in the crypto space huge crypto influencer refute just does not even go near blockchain and crypto based social media is attached to the hip for twitter and then you saw what happened yesterday with his youtube account do you think that's because he's such tunnel vision with btc or is there another reason why these guys are just refusing to come over to the good side of the force here or? yeah i mean it's it's hard to say um, you know, but it's hard to say whether humans do and why they do it. But I actually respect Bitcoin maxis because I respect their, uh, you know, I, I like what the reason they're maxi, right? There's a reason they think all things are scams and they want it to be pure. They just take it overboard. They're like blind religion. And it just, um, you know, they don't understand that by being too much of a maxi, you actually centralize because Bitcoin can only do so much. And now you're relying on Web2 again for your communication and all that. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult. I think the only thing we can do is keep beating to our own drum. And eventually, he's already seen it. It's starting to affect him. Um, I'm sure right now he's maybe starting to look into other things because when you have your, ta your channel taken from you, I'm sure it's a little gut punch when it's your, you, know, you have 100,000, 200,000 followers, you, you're making lots of money off of, and it's a big part of your business model. And then you start to ask yourself, well, shit, what would I have done if the lights didn't come back on? Where would I have gone? Would I have just gone to rumble or whatnot um and and just rolled the dice there or is it time for me to actually get an immutable account um start to understand web3 and um it's a it's, it's a journey you know because he's already on the right path with the bitcoin maxi meaning he understands the fundamentals what to look for now just to broaden that and start to research the technology don't throw coin voting out the window coin voting is it's 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 absolutely mandatory regardless of how many governance systems you have you have proof of work coin voting maybe there's some other hybrid weird other solutions out there that come out but regardless of what happens it's it's here and it's going to be a bedrock somewhere for some foundation that's going to have censorship resistance so we absolutely need to innovate it and parameter it and make sure we protect the stakeholders as much as possible so you know he's going to have to start researching coin voting and 
Um, he'll have that same Bitcoin maxi mentality, meaning, oh, well, pre-mine and coin voting, you know, two plus two doesn't equal three. Obviously, this isn't good. This person can just rule the chain. And then he looked into the Justin Sun drama, and which I know he's looked into. Um, you eventually will get to us. And you know, it'll all make sense. Like, oh, okay, yeah, coin voting done right. It actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, from, from my point of view, you know, you can just see how this is going to go. He's going to go through, he'll find some Ethereum-based chain, some solution over there, you know, that's completely <laughs> centralized, but it, they, they do a deal with him or whatever, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, and he ends up using that for a while. And they all get corrupted eventually. They're going to get regulated eventually. And all roads lead to Hive. I really do believe that all roads lead to Hive because it has that immaculate conception. It has that. Um, it was taken over in a war and it forked and kicked out the original owner. Um, there isn't another chain out there that's done that and survived. Um, and it's been distributed for five years now. So there isn't a central controller. There isn't an entity that controls the supply or, or represents the Hive blockchain. I love, I love the fact that Hive blockchain technology is listed in Canada, which is not Hive at all. They're a, they're a mining company. Tried to sue Hive and just <laughs> couldn't even find out where to go. They, they couldn't work it out. Uh, because there is no entity there, you know, that's that's proof, if anything, that Hive is decentralized. Um, and <clears throat> it's one of the reasons that we've built our foundation on Hive, because we need the free speech. Um, so I, I just hope, I hope that he, his clear mind prevails. Um, I, over the last couple of days, I've never seen so many people, so much traffic uh, posted to one single tweet from Hive as saying, use free speak or use hive or use you know this these solutions are already already there so i mean i certainly really appreciate that from our point of view that people are pointing him in the right direction i also know though that we're very very heavily shadow banned and we still haven't been very clever at you know just writing a comment with that doesn't mention anything about web3 or hive and then underneath the comment and in the replies writing something that links to web3 or something that links to to hive we're really great at dominating the hashtag web3 on twitter so many of on a constant basis, I check it on a regular basis. The hashtag Web3 tag is has got a lot of Hive content on there, so that's really really cool. I hope we can keep that strong. Um, but I feel that there's a lot of shadow banning still going on, so he sees very few of the tweets anyway. And then even when he does, and guys like that do, they're very closed-minded because there's been so many scams. So many of the top 50 coins are centralized. Um, he's got to be very careful what he goes for because. If he goes for something that then turns out to be centralized, and is 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 Bitcoin community going to rip into pieces? So um, he, he's he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, really. But I think, like Dan was just saying, you know, we we've got to just keep on doing what we're doing. We're doing it in the right way. We're doing the right thing. Um, you know, I, I was talking to a content creator earlier today. I won't name any names, but <laughs> he's quite well established in the crypto community. And um, he was saying to me, oh, you know, these different chains, they give me a few of their tokens for creating content on their platforms. And I'm like, I'm li listening to this thinking, we can't give you any of our tokens. I don't <laughs> have any tokens to give you. We've built this in a decentralized way. So you're not going to get any speak from us. We're going to have to mine that competitively like everybody else. And I said to him, look, we can't give you any tokens. You know, th this is decentralized. It's not. And and, and it, the, the kind of the cogs turn a little bit, but people just don't realize that. In fact, all of these systems are centralized. Anyone that can give you some of their token as an incentive to do X, Y, Z work, 
It's centralized, man. Run a mile. Run a mile. It's gonna get. It's gonna. It's gonna cause you problems later. And so Pomp's really got to avoid those trap falls as well, which is most of them. Um, so he, he's probably from the looks at things from the point of view that just like as long as I assume everything is corrupt, I'll be I'll be on the safe side, you know. Um, so yeah, we just keep doing what we're doing. We're doing it the right way. I, I firmly believe that we've got the right method, the right approach. Um, we'll, we'll have a nicely decentralized token. Um, and hopefully at some point that will get, get recognition. You mentioned uh, censorship resistant, and I'm going to direct this at Matt because uh, I, I saw you answer this question in an interview. But evidently you had a situation on 3Speak with some content that uh, is inappropriate and uh, illegal in, in most of the world. And it was something that you had to toe the line between censorship resistant and content that is extremely harmful and extremely illegal. And how did you come to the conclusion or, or how did you navigate that situation? Well, I mean, I, I want to start by giving Dan a lot of credit for that because Dan did a lot of research. Um, it kind of happened while I was away from my computer. And by the time I got back, Dan had already done like four hours worth of research to actually confirm <clears throat> that this guy was a pedo. Um, and he basically got caught on a, on a video. Uh, you know, you know, these like pedo hunter videos where they, they, they pretend to be the little girl and then meet them. And then it, they, when they turn up, it's actually like four massive butch guys. And they're like, you've been messaging this little girl, haven't you? And he was kind of like, yeah, something like that. Um, so he admitted it on, on, on camera. Um, and then after that, obviously he, he got, um, denounced as a pedophile all over the internet. And I don't know when that happened exactly. It was several months ago, but he started posting on three speak and we got word of it from Reddit as, as the Reddit community were kind of like kicking off and saying, who the hell is this guy? What's this platform? Why are they allowing him to post? And so when I read that, I was like, I was already very skeptical because I don't, I don't like the idea of people forcing censorship in that way. Um, but <clears throat> on threespeak.tv, we do have the power to censor because we host the videos. Um, and it's one of the reasons that we're trying to build ourselves out of the process by building the speak network where we can, you can store things peer to peer. Um, and so with that, it's, it's kind of cool because at the moment we can still censor and we will, I think we'll always be able to censor on threespeak.tv, the front, the front end, um, because it will be the videos that we choose to serve, <clears throat> but on the speak ne network itself, it will be the videos that the individual communities and the community members choose to host and present to the community. So we, we proposed while we, did, while we created this um, situation where the guy couldn't post to 3speak.tv, we put out a proposal to, to the community to build a, uh, a system whereby the community itself in a decentralized way can identify dangerous people, uh, whereby there's basically a threshold that the community sets via stake-weighted vote. And then if, it, if, if the account gets more votes than that, then that person gets denoted as a dangerous person. And then that, that information is then sent to the individual platforms and the platforms themselves can then decide whether they want to host that content on, and show it or whether they want to block it or take any other evasive actions. Um, so we, yeah, we really want to emphasize the move towards community driven censorship rather than us being the censorial gods that the likes of Facebook and Zuckerberg are. Uh, at the moment, that system isn't built yet, obviously, but it's in. It's funded. It's being built out, and hopefully, in the next few months, we'll have that on the Speak Network. 
Yeah, so it, it's a situation that fast forward six or, or eight months or a year down the road, your, and I say you being freespeak.tv, your capability in your front end on, on your platform, you will have, and, and every community will have, quote unquote, through their front end, the ability to mute, silence, censor, whatever they want to do. But the Speak Network won't be the one saying you can't put that on here because Speak Network is not hosting any videos. It's not storing videos. It's other community members who are deciding to store the video. So if I see that particular content and I choose not to store it and 7 billion other people around the world choose not to store it, it doesn't get stored, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Do you yeah. think of three speak like a, like a community, right? And all these communities are going to have their own ways to block access. So if three speak blocks you, we're going to, it's going to be easy to spin up your own front end. There's going to be several other front end communities. That's the whole point to have as many skins as possible. The more skins you have, the more censorship resistance you have from just being um, kicked out because we don't like your hair. And as we get hey. to a point, as we get to a point where there's you get so many different skins you can easily put your own front end it becomes personal responsibility if you're a pedo or doing something illegal and you're like well screw all you guys i'm gonna take my ball and go home well your ball and home are transparent on the internet and it's gonna be incredibly easy to find you if you're a local law enforcement but that that's separating it from anyone else it's taking the cancer away from anyone else because now it's like well i don't have anything to do with him you know so he gets in trouble i don't because i'm not hosting any content not showing up on any front ends so it's going to take an incredibly horrible person to be banned across every front end because that means no community wants to accept you and that's what it is censorship resistance doesn't mean say whatever you want and stand on my front lawn with a megaphone and and dance naked that's not what this is this is giving power to what i want on my in my community and that's the line if you don't like it, it's easy for you to make your own community and and that's sort of my definition of censorship resistance they can by speak the way, Dan, people don't have to listen be our birthday gift to you by john and i we're going to dance naked on your front lawn with megaphone with megaphone well mexico they might join in so you might yeah, get party, party. <laughs> party on the beach <laughs> I just, uh, sorry to spoil the pie. That's a really wonderful image you just put in my head there. Thanks very much, Jens. Um, <laughs> but there, there is another angle to the censorship here um, that we're, I'm quite excited about. And basically what that's going to be is that anyone's going to be able to tag a piece of content. Um, so if you've got like one one speak token, it's not that tag's not really going to mean anything. But if you've got like 20,000, 30,000, 100,000 speak um, at a certain point, it's going to start to mean something. So, for example, if something's not safe for work, um, but the, the the uploader either forgot to label it as that or purposefully is not not labeling it as that, so it's getting exposed past the various of the platform's filters that, that won't show NSFW work, for example, for example um, then that work would get shown. So by allowing the community to set the tags and force tags, and again, we may have a threshold set whereby if there's less than X amount of um, uh, speak power backing the vote that says that that is NSFW, then it doesn't get forced. But if that threshold is surpassed, then the NSFW tag gets forced onto a piece of content 
And now it doesn't show up in various front ends because they won't show in SFW content. So that's a way for a community itself to self, self-police and self-govern and self-censor um, as well, which we'll be building into the Speak Network for sure. Very, very interesting. So there, there's a lot of layers that appear to be added that are going to give the communities a lot more control over what happens within their communities from the base layer, from, from the core, and yeah. then they can add more to their system if they so desire. All of that, all of that is open source. So it's like a Swiss cheese model in many ways. It's like a layered system where <clears throat> you'll have each platform will be able to open source design its own gate. We call them content gateways, um, and those gateways will, you know, they'll they'll have the different Swiss Swiss cheese holes in them. So you know, anything that's um, NSFW, that one's plugged for this particular one, right? And so that platform won't show any NSFW. It'll have other different things in there as well that it plugs so that it won't that, that content won't come through the filter. And then they can choose to then make that content gateway open source so anyone else can use that. So it might be like, uh, you know, there might end up being one single open source NSFW child-friendly standard, right? And you'll have another standard over here that's issued by a trusted source that's maintained and kept, maintained and kept up to date, of course that is a, an adult friendly um, Swiss cheese model or content gateway, let's say. And then the, pl the different platforms will be able to find these trusted people and say, instead of building their own um, content gateways, they can just go copy that guy's content, get content gateway over there, put it in front of their platform so that the only things that get through to their viewers are the things that are approved via that content gateway. Um, and so you're gonna get people collaborating to, to, to maintain and update these content gateway Swiss cheese models um, and I just think that's going to be really, really cool because it will really, really allow us to have an open source community driven effort on what, what you can see, what you can't. And it may be that at a certain point, uh, the, the individual platforms themselves might give you a drop down option. So you, and it'll just kind of say adult viewing, child safe, you know, and you'll just be able to click on them and it, you know, you, you can trust with a very, very high degree of certainty that that's up to date and it doesn't show any of the latest kind of dodgy content <clears throat> if you're, if the filter you're operating is supposed to not you know block that out excellent excellent nice. now you you mentioned three speak and I, I guess we'll we'll get into some of that there uh, and three speak is is its own front end uh, it'll be it's open source so somebody could set up four speak five speak or you know John speak or whatever they want to, to set up um, so three speak as its own community obviously you will want people to continue to use three speak those of us who've been using three speak for a while um obviously you're gonna still probably do it most of us uh if for no other reason we're creatures of habit uh you will also have shall we say incentivize people based upon your latest announcement to download the desktop app because that's how you get your claim drops. Uh, the claim drops is the Larynx token, which is the miner, which will generate speak tokens, which is the governance token. But in a roundabout way I'm going, is there going to be a three speak token or a token for this three speak uh, community? We've been we've been discussing this for a while, and they're definitely going to be at least you know for my end. I want to make some kind of three speak 
front end token and um, give it a value case. And of course, we'd be dropping that out. There will be no sale or anything. So yeah, we, we you know we believe every front end should have a token. Um, every community should have a token. Every person really at the end of the day will will find ways to interact with all these front ends and then it just makes it's a new loyalty program right like the more you you go to this site the more you're earning and then the more you earn the more you you value it and want to see it succeed so we just think it's a great business model and um we also want to i know there's a few questions about people asking about the claim drop in terms of mobile users who can't download the desktop app and we just want to make sure that everyone knows there's going to everyone's going to be able to have a chance to claim if you you know if you're a mobile user you'll definitely still be able to claim um the lyrics miners so yeah, it's really it's really cool that you mentioned that. Um, we've talked a lot about a some some kind of maybe proof of brain token for the front end for three speak. We haven't focused on it yet. It's it's kind of a byproduct of what we're building on the speak network, but it's something we'll almost certainly put out at some point. The cool thing there, I think, as well, is that we're going to be able to reverse reward people. So if there's clear statistics that show that people have got a certain number of hits on the on the on the the three speak site or uploaded a certain number of videos. We don't know exactly what criteria we'll choose yet, but certainly to, to, to back reward people, to reward the people that for getting involved early and, and being loyal for all these, all these years. Uh, we think that's probably a way to do a fair drop to those people as well. So we, but we haven't looked at the details of it yet and it's not something that's like right on the radar, but it's certainly something that's there in the medium term. Yeah, definitely. Now might be a good time for me to throw in here. A lot of what I, have been talking about comes from the light paper. There was an update, I believe it was on Speak Network, SPK Network. Out of that account, there was an update uh, uh, maybe two weeks ago that listed a roadmap and kind of broke down what's going to be first, second, third, and it goes from the end of uh, September, I think, into J July of next year. So anybody who's watching or listening, uh, if you want to get the latest information, that's a lot more up to date and it gives some time frames as opposed to what I'm throwing out here based upon. And Matt's having to say we talked about it, but it's it's on the back burner. That gives you an idea of what the, the priorities are. And probably on most people's minds, the ones who are watching this because we know how people are, Three days ago, I guess it was, you announced a token drop that the snapshot will take place, I guess, in 86 or 87 days now. Uh, January 6th, if I recall, is the date. Uh, John, you want to read? There's a question in here about the, the airdrop, and so maybe you guys want to answer that on air. Yeah, it's uh, it's from Matthew. He said he had a question about the claim drop. Um the liquid hive and hive power be taken for the snapshot, but not HBD held in savings account. Uh, he was curious why HBD wasn't mentioned or being taken into account for the drop. That's a, that's a good question. Um, really because <clears throat> we wanted to do it one-to-one -to, -one to hive and it's, it's kind of hard because one's a stable coin and one isn't. So it's kind of hard to, do you give one per one HBD or, you know, you can't really quantify how much you actually give per HBD because the price of hive swings so long. And then you can get to a point where there's like a weird arbitrage. So we just thought it would be easiest just to keep it with um, hive and hive power. And, and, and offshoot of that, I, I, I had this question about it. Con especially considering what happened with the exchanges and Justin's son. 
obviously it's for liquid hive no matter where it's housed. However, are you going to exclude the main accounts for the exchanges that have hive in them? Uh, not like if John has Hive in a Binance account, but the Binance uh, main account that is used uh, to transfer Hive back and forth. Are you going to say to the exchanges, "Screw you, people! You don't you don't deserve any larynx tokens"? From my point of view, it's kind of difficult because there are some people who can't who just aren't good enough with self custody, and they and they do house it. On the other hand, we would want to make sure the exchanges gave those miners to the people that they belong to. We've seen this before with reputable exchanges where they'll they'll actually do that. They won't keep the tokens and, and, and burn them for themselves. We also think the the likelihood of the exchanges opting in every month, um, you know, we, we yeah. think that's actually going to be quite low as it is. Um, but yeah, it, it's a two sided sword. It's um, because if you do if you do force exchanges off, that means you force everyone to withdraw the exchange the, the funds to their to their wallet, and not everyone's crypto savvy enough. So it, you know it's a it's a double bladed sword. But um, you know thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm similar to Dan. You know I, I want to keep it relatively open for now. Um, I think the right thing to do is to allow exchanges to claim uh, in good faith. And I think that then the community has to be able to be the judge of whether or not that's remaining a good faith claim or not. <clears throat> um, and the great thing is that the you know the maximum anyone can claim each month is one twelfth of their overall tokens. So if if the community does feel that there is some kind of um, you know malevolent behaviour going on behind the scenes, or if the exchange isn't being upfront and open and making a statement that says yes, we will return these tokens to the users. Um, then maybe there's a way for the community to get involved in freezing those or taking some, you know, evasive action. <clears throat> um, but so far, like Dan said, the most likely scenario is that the exchanges won't be able to claim every month, and they'll th those those tokens will go into some form of um, uh, DAO, which then the community can vote to decide where they, di they get distributed to. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's probably the most likely scenario going forwards. But I mean, it is possible that you could get a scenario where the exchange claims the tokens and then and then uses them, you know, malevolently. But then at the same time, what are they? What really are they going to do <clears throat> apart from dump their tokens, um, which is which in many ways is great for everyone else, and they can buy more, um, or you know, use those tokens to plug them into the network to mine governance tokens and provide infrastructure. That sounds great to me. So. <laughs> So there isn't much that can go go too wrong with it. It'd be a different story if it was the main governance token that this was this was, but because it's the, the mining token, um, there isn't really that much that they can do that's that's that could you know be used to damage the network. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know let's keep our ears open. I, I, I'm I'm not going to say that we're 100% definitely dropping those tokens to all the exchanges. It may be that we get some 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 wind. Uh, closer to the time and, and then the community kind of says hey guys what the hell's going on we shouldn't be dropping these tokens to the exchanges <clears throat> um, you shouldn't have your exchange your tokens on the exchanges either as much as you, as you possibly can although fair enough with the comment that Dan said that some people do need to, to host their exchanges on their tokens on exchanges um, but yeah I think we, we, we're still far enough out that we can we can make more decisions um, but for now the one that we're going for is to drop to the exchanges and then if the exchanges want to change uh, get involved and um, claim every 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 month, then that's great, I think. Yeah, and, and that, that's something that I didn't think of, that you 
have a claim drop. So it is a 12 month uh, situation or, or whatever it's going to last. And everybody has to step in month in and month out. And uh, how, ma how many are going to do that? Uh, you know, especially if you're an exchange and you got everything that's going on. I doubt CZ is going to download the desktop app to, to get all the, the, the high for Binance. He's got other issues going on right now. Yeah, that, that's the other thing that they'd, that, that they'd have to integrate a new token system, as far as I can tell, if it's on peer plays, at, at least initially. So that's another another set of efforts that a lot of the exchanges will have to go through that I don't think they're all going to go through. Um, so I'm not I'm not too worried about it, to be honest. Now, what peer plays put out a a, a post, and uh, they talked about a dex for hive. Um, do you guys want to comment on that? Is this something separate from what you're doing or are they piggybacking off what you're doing? Or is this just something that they're saying is going to be available? It may not be a base layer. It may be a layer two. I was a little confused about that. Do you, do you guys have any insight? Yeah, um, you can look at the DEX as just the first iteration. We, you know, the SIP at its core is a DEX. And then once you have the DEX fully functioning, meaning you have trading, you have trading fees, liquidity pools, able to do all of this in a decentralized way. From there, you can add the mechanics of where the trading fees go, locked permanent liquidity pools that are now attached to a sun that are attached to Speak Network, where those Speak Network um, Hive tokens are going in. So... You know, this is all the work that's going to be done on the decks is going to be vastly important. And as much as I like the internal exchange on Hive, I really do think Graphene, um, you know, you have BitShares, but, you know, we really haven't connected with BitShares in a big way. They, they also had their own sort of internal drama with um, sort of a, a weird internal takeover that fractured the community. But um, when we're talking about having liquidity pools, when we're talking about having a, a really good decentralized DEX on graphene based layer, that's where that's going to come into play. And then, of course, Hive can always integrate. Um, but all this stuff should be pretty swift to communicate either way. So, I mean, one of the things that's kind of cool here, in my view, is we, we were talking to peer plays probably like a year ago now. Um, about the initial, like all the stuff that Dan mentioned earlier. Dan came up with the idea. He, he had a great piece of insight there. And obviously, speaking to Bobinson closely, he realized that one of the most logical places for us to go is via peer plays. <clears throat> and part of the reason for that is because peer plays always had plans to build a lot of this stuff anyway. Um, and so as soon as we kind of came to the, the agreement um, early on to say probably around January time, peer plays started working. And, and we said, look, we haven't got any funding yet. We're looking to put a funding to, um, mechanism together. We've got a proposal in mind. This is what we're going to do X, Y, Z. But it, obviously, it was a vast piece of work to get all of the kind of I's, I's dotted and T's crossed and get everyone else's buy-in and get the dev resources together. So it's quite a big kind of alignment of many, many different things. And it's one of the reasons it took us so long to put the final um, proposal in. But while that was all going on, peer plays were kind of giving us the benefit of the doubt. And they started a lot of the work in the background. So they finished song, Hive songs. They finished the NFT side of things. They finished a DEX. They finished the token system, right? While all of this has been going on, they've been working in good faith that they're going to get paid in some way. Although I don't think they're particularly there to chase the money. It's more of a <clears throat> figurative thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a commitment thing from Hive. Um, and so it, over the next few weeks, like I was saying before, we're going to be rolling out test nets for this stuff. The DEX is done. 
you know, the token system's done. The NFT system's going to be tested. Um, I don't think they've got a front end for the NFT, but we're working closely with Perple uh, with um, Disregard Fiat from Deluxe to build a an NFT platform, which then will then integrate the Speak Network into. Um, so a, a lot of these things are much further down the line than they than they may at first look, and. The things that are going to take the time of building the node systems out and building the mining mechanisms out, building the way that we use the SON um, Oracle technology to track all of the data and then feed it back into the mining mechanisms to distribute the token. That's where the time's going to take because that's the new tech that hasn't really been built before. Um, it's not what Peerplay specialize in. It's, you know, it's, that's going to be more of it, full tech and Jeff's kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm super excited because because I, I feel like a lot of this stuff's going to hit us. And we're like, hold, hold on a minute. This has been built. It's like, yeah, it's been built, man. Like, we, we're going forward with this. So, so that DEX is, is part of the project. But it's something that we're building anyway. But it's something that we're going to be able to plug into with the Speak Network and use to to exchange liquidity and value on, on, on the network, you know. So super cool, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and we often we were promoting this by saying we're having the speak team on and, and it's the two of you. But I, I need to iterate that anybody who listened to that kickoff call, there were probably 10 or 12 people on that call. Uh, many of them names that we all know. You mentioned Disregard Fiat and, and Bob, Bobinson. Bob, is that did I pronounce it correctly? And Vautech. Bob, Bob, and Bobinson Bobby. <laughs> and, and then, of course, you too, and there were, were a, a bunch of other people on there. So this is not just a, I mean, I guess small and large is a relative term, but this is not a three or per, four person show. There's a lot more people involved doing different things. Uh, Brian of London, who we've had on the show a couple of times, he was on there and he's he's supporting you all. And, and did, getting did you involved. see did you see his um, podcast with um, Adam Curry a couple of days ago? I, I did not. I, I bookmarked oh, it. I so good. Go so, so good for Hive. Watch it from about 45 minutes in. Uh, sorry, 40 minutes in, let's say. Um, he really, really shows what Hive can do. And kind of he's at the point where he's starting to take a lot of the excuses away from anyone that's kind of going, oh, we should Bitcoin, Bitcoin kind of thing. It, it's a really great example of what we were talking about before, where you've got the the um, uh, the pump type characters who are kind of they're they're, they're stuck in the Bitcoin maxi part of the world and when someone like brian london rocks up with um, the value for value transactions where you can donate um lightning payments and receive uh, receive uh, hive payments without having to run a lightning node it's massive that is it's really really truly massive uh, and people and it's so easy to use and people don't realize uh, and so guys like him explain that slowly but surely the message is getting through and then the ability to also obviously share all the podcasts via Podping and uh, the fact that every three speak video, so this video when it gets uploaded to three speak will also automatically become a podcast on like five different podcasting platforms. And they can all receive value for value uh, Lightning Network payments without you guys having to run a Lightning node. Um, it is, is massive because really, isn't that where we need to get to with content? You know, it's like, yeah, we can keep using the inflation pool with Hive to try and distribute the rewards, which is great. You know, that, that's that's been going on for a long time and it seems to work very, very, very well. But as time goes on, we shouldn't be relying only on that. And content really is a donation-based thing. And this this mechanism that Brian set up really gives us the ability to reach out to wider audiences that are not on Hive and start donating to the work that these guys, you know, people like John and Taskmaster are doing because it's really fantastic um, cutting-edge work. 
And so anyone that's watching this stuff from outside of the Hive ecosystem, please donate to these guys because the mechanisms are all there now. They're in place. They're dead easy to use. Um, so he, he really went into that. And he, I think he kind of did a little, he, he blew Adam Curry's mind a little bit, you know, and it's really cool to listen to. For me, it's one, it's one of the best Hive-based podcasts I've ever heard. So I would really recommend that, spending some time there if, if you guys can. Yeah, he, he 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 goes after Adam. I mean, he's been doing it for months because Adam's a yeah. Bitcoin maximalist. And, <laughs> yeah. and when, when we had Brian on, he said, listen, I, I, I just, I hold my tongue. I got to build this stuff out. I, I got to proof of concept it. But once I have the proof of concept, I'm going to beat him over the head with it. And I guess he's at the point of starting to beat him over the head with it. We, we, uh, we, got, we got a couple of bugs on, on our end. Um, so we, we're very close, very, very close. But we've got a couple of we we rolled it out and then we found a couple of bugs. We've had to roll it back, um, but we we're very close and those bugs should be done. I'm hoping by this time next week we'll be in a position where Brian will have a, a final functioning product that he can go and show people and say, hey, in the podcasting world, like we have this, you know, and it's working. So I'm quite excited about that. Well, and, and it's exciting, and and uh, maybe we should bring Dan back in here because he he he's the one who who talks about it a lot, but. I think the term he, he you used, Dan, was the story. And the fact is that Brian's project was funded by uh, out of the Dow. You guys are now funded out of the Dow. So it, it's not coming out. Of, not only is it not coming out of your pocket, uh, which I'll put in a caveat, and, and maybe one of you can also mention that you've also decided to, to make a donation since this was funded, since the, the, the project was funded through the Dow. Uh, and you can talk a little bit about that. But the fact that all of this, both what Brian's doing and what the Speak Network now is doing, is being paid for, the development is being paid for out of community funds and is chosen by the community Dan, again, maybe I'm using the wrong term, but the term that sticks in my head was you said the story is what's important. You, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. If, I mean, if you look at Bitcoin, the story is all important. It matters to this day. It'll matter 100 years from now. It only gets more and more folklore. It only becomes more important as time goes on, as, as it sustains. And <clears throat> what we're seeing now is people are trying to throw money at a decentralized problem. They're trying to say, okay, well, to fix this problem that's centralized, we're just going to keep throwing money at it. And then something is good. Some amazing magical tech is going to appear and solve all of our problems. And they don't realize that that's not the, that's not the approach. The, the approach is actually what we went through is throwing, throwing to the woods, the wolves, right? When you, when you learn to swim, you know, my dad, he actually just threw me into the deep end. Um, you, you, you learn to swim when you, when you have to swim and you learn to fund when the weight is pushing down on you and you have no choice. So when we broke away, one of the biggest questions were, how are we going to support this infrastructure? This thing's a big moving beast. Are there going to be enough full nodes? Are there going to be enough API nodes? Are we going to be able to handle? And we got, and there were some bumps here and there, but slowly and surely, community started. The number of full nodes doubled, then tripled. We're running one. We have a full API node as well. We're, we're doing, I'm seeing people step up that didn't feel the need to step up before. And now out of this, you're starting to see the decentralized funding. We're saying, hey, we want some cool stuff built. Um, we have this DAO. Let's vote on what we want. And as these projects emerge, five years from now, when you take a look back, people are going to be like, wow, this, this really did, you know, these, these people really came together under the radar, 
just consistency churning, no VC funding, no big mentions on any of the um, legacy media, no help from really anyone, just a community. You know, of course you have diehards, you have people who are, who have more stake than others, yada, yada. But from a point of view, I see more people over delivering than what they're getting paid. And that's a true community effort. So I think the story is all important. And as we start to see six, because first it's you, you fund it. That's the first successful thing. That's all important. That's where everyone's throwing billions of dollars of trying to replicate. How do we, how do we raise funds in a decentralized way? Let's throw money at it. So that's what they've been doing. And now we're moving to the point of, is this actually working? Once you start to see the fruits and they see the value for value and see the speak network and you see games and all these types of things start to be funding and they actually start to work. That's when, because I already, I've already felt that what you, I guess, call FOMO. In my head, it's already worked. I, I, I'm betting that it's going to work. I, I really see that we're on a consistent path. But other people have to see it. And when venture capitalists see this and they start to, you know, those cogs start to turn, they say, wait a minute, chicken, egg. And they start to understand that the chicken, egg just blew up and a magic robot chicken appeared because no VCs are needed, no funding, no centralization, no central management no nothing and they're building cutting edge stuff that other people block one ibc was their biggest thing the creator of this graphing technology trying to create a better version of it they didn't get ibpc done and we are and we did it on you know a point zero 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 one percent of the raise that they did and we're going to do it first and that's going to show vcs wow okay community is really important that's all that matters um and that's when I think they're going to start getting involved and it's going to be appreciated. But the story is going to be all important there. Um, we're crafting something here and we're doing it very delicately. And I think that it's going to pay vastly in the future. We could have just, you know, accepted BC money or done all this, done it the easy way. But I think by, by going the scenic route, it takes a little bit longer. You have to enjoy the process a little bit more. But I think in the end, it's going to tell an amazing story of what communities can really do. Yeah, I, th I, th I think we'll get to a point in the future where as people look to get involved in projects and really they're going to realize that when they set up a Web3 system, a Web3 account and a Web3 following that they own, community that they own, the token systems that they're able to uh, store on the blockchain and have permanence, that they're going to have to choose wisely because they're going to have to be very careful where they go. And um there's going to be all sorts of things that happen where people get rich and then they get chased by the sec because they didn't set up the token properly or um they, they get involved and they get all the followers across this one protocol but then it turns out the protocol was an 80 percent pre-mine that they didn't realize and so that got chased down by the sec um and so it, the question is you know you know just recently a few weeks ago was it bitcloud did a 200 million dollar raise which is great, you know, oh, wow, $200 million. But the, set, the first thing me and Dan are looking at, like, right, let's read the list of VCs. All right, this VC, that VC, that VC. So they, they're the people that own the project. And ultimately, they have to cash out over time because that's mm -hmm. their job. They're not in it to provide free speech. They're in it to, to, to cash money. out and make mm -hmm. money. So who they're making money off? They're going to wait till the token gets bought up and then they'll sell to the poor people who are buying the token. Um, and it's just, you know, it's like it's like your project starts off in a debt, in a two hundred million dollar debt, and now you've got to get rid of that debt somehow. Otherwise, you're going to have controlling entities within within the project, and you know, you're trying to say that it's trustless technology and decentralized. At a certain point, that's going to crack. It's going to there's going to be an issue. Um, if they're building open source, which they should be, which I'm I'm not sure if they are or aren't. Maybe their community wants to fork them out at some point. You know, um, these these are all massive risks that they're taking. 
And wh whereas now, what 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 Dan was just talking talking about proves that you don't need to have VC funding anymore, particularly at inception. All you need to have is a community that agrees that there's a group of people who are going to work their asses off to get a, 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 as a minimum a minimum volume product out, right? That works, that can demonstrate theory behind what the, the idea is. Um, and then at the same time as that, if you can couple that with a, a deflationary capped limit govern, governments token, which is being distributed at the same time as the projects being being run, and the people who are getting that distribution are the people that provide value to the to the project, either but via um, um, providing infrastructure like on the Speak Network or making content that people value like on Hive, um, you're going to get to a point whereby as your governance token cap runs out, your initial funding that was provided by the previous DAO of, of, the, of the main protocol that you're building off, that might run out, that funding might run out. But at the, at the same time, if you've got a clever way for bringing money into the ecosystem via the SIP, which is what we're doing, your SIP's going to have grown to a certain point where it's sustainable. And then your governance token cap's going to get reached. You won't be distributing that as much. But you, you, you're never going to have to have gone out for, for, for pre-seed or venture capital funding. Uh, so, so your project's going to be truly decentralized because there won't be any vested interest in these projects. Uh, and that's something that I don't think has been realized at all yet by the, by the let's call it the trustless decentralized community. Um, but we're, we're, like Dan was saying here, we're taking the scenic route, we're building it slowly, we're doing it properly. And um, over time, that'll pay dividends, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest problems with VCs is eventually they, they fund applications. You know, traditionally they funded applications, but they want to get paid. So they're patient. They'll go six, seven years to build, let you build up a user base. But at some point they want that monetized because they want to be cashed out. And we inevitably have the users versus the VC conflict because obviously the monetization at least with web two has always been okay we'll sell your data we'll put advertising on here and we'll do what we need to do to make money to pay these vcs and even though your your experience is lessened you're secondary we got to pay these people off so i think that is really one thing that we look at and the other thing with vcs is people like myself and and the rest of us we can't get involved. So, I mean, you see the money that was made off the, the Coinbase IPO and you see what uh, Kevin Durant and some of these early investors made off of it. And it's like, well, yeah, I can get I can get to, into uh, Coinbase after it goes public. And I can't even get in the, the IPO price that was announced because it took them two hours to release it. And since then, the price went up another five bucks. So I get in at the IPO uh, release date and it goes down 50%. Uh, so that's something that has always ex been part of that exclusionary system that I see. I can get involved with, with Speak early on. I got my Hive tokens. I can get the Larynx Miners, and hopefully that'll give me some Speak tokens. And I have a piece of the action. So as this thing grows, it gets better and better for all of us involved. But I think we have to add one thing in here or, or cover one thing because I think it's one of the biggest things you guys have come up with. And, and you just mentioned it, Matt, the SIP. Would you guys, would one of you care to explain the SIP and really the power that this has, not only for speak, 
but for Hive. I, I don't think many people realize the SIP on the Speak Network is going to be one of the most influential things, in my opinion, on the price of Hive going forward. Could, could one of you two delve into that? Yeah, um, I'll dive in. Um, the idea of the SIP, and we're, we're, we really like the idea of um, the Indians in terms of use, you know, when you have a, when you, when you kill an animal, use all of it, right? Use every last little bit. And when you're designing these systems, you want to close any leaks, any air gaps. You want the value to be vacuumed in and then a positive feedback loop. So the idea with the SIP is instead of burning, which is the what, what most people do, you're leaving a lot on the table, in my opinion, there. Sure, it reduces the supply, but you're not putting it to work. So the whole idea is to take the concept of burning and adding it to liquidity pairs that are permanent. And if you have a service or a fee, for example, you send in Hive to buy some larynx miners. Um, half of that is used to buy, let's just to, to keep it easy, Half some of that is used to buy Speak and then you pair it in a per permanent liquidity pool. Well, as you do that, you're, you're, you're taking another token off the market, you're locking a liquidity pool and that's setting a price floor. It's adding stability. One of the biggest things that people are fear of, especially, I don't know if you're from 2017, you know, a token that gets no liquidity. That's the biggest thing. Oh, I can't sell. There's no buy orders. Um, here you're, you're giving peace of mind to people who are interacting, investing, whatever they're doing in the system, being a part of it, getting skin in the game. They know that there isn't some entity that can just come and take that liquidity out. It's going to be there a hundred years from now. It's always going to be there. It's never going to be removed. And it's only going to keep adding. The more popular the system gets, the more robust and thick that becomes. And what you do is you create a center of gravity where I'm not going to go trade on Binance or, or Uniswap. I'm going to go trade on the, the SIP the hive sip because that's where the liquidity is that's where the least slippage is that's where i'm gonna get the best price the best user experience no kyc i'm already logged into my hive wallet all of this stuff is you make it incredibly easy then it becomes the go-to for trading if you're a miner you're cashing out if you want to get in and out and then you start to add other pairs and it becomes sort of like a um like a mall you're attracting all kinds of people you're becoming a, a vacuum for liquidity that's when the trading fees start to churn you look at these protocols uniswap sushi swap multi-billion every year in um, revenue i can tell you it doesn't take billions of dollars to run off-chain decentralized storage a billions of dollars a year to get us very 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 far <laughs> so just the concept of what can be harnessed there is overkill so now you can not only fund the infrastructure you're looking at overkill now you can fund things like dow you can do all kinds of things in a deflationary way because you're no longer relying on inflation. You're relying on these trading fees, the activity. And that's why Hive's so great because you have that inflation, you have that backbone, you have that security for your account balance, the data integrity, everything that that's really important in terms of knowing who has what. It's the skeleton. It's, it's absolutely the foundation. And then from there, you can get fancy and you can start to rely on things like trading fees and ad revenue and 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 feeding that into the sip to the point where it creates a one a one-way stop where everyone's trading there you're collecting all the fees you want to trade there because you know every fee is going in and helping the system so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where everybody's going to want to do it because it helps and it's easy and it's the best place to go so for sure um i'd also like to add um dan touched on it earlier but it will be a great sink for Hive because you'll, you'll be sending Hive in to buy your miner tokens. And then that Hive, like Dan was just saying, will get 
if you're talking about a hive speak pair on a liquidity pool, it will then get sold half for, for speak, half will remain in hive, and then but that gets locked in forever and is used to then do the liquidity trade trades. Um, <clears throat> and then of course any other pair that we we end up adding, like so you, you'll end up having a Bracca hive pair, you'll end up having um, a larynx hive pair, probably. Um, so. What, what about community tokens? Could they be tied into the SIP? Uh, absolutely. Every community will end up having its own SIP, we believe. Okay. So we, we, because it's all open source, we should get it to a point where it's like, you know, that there'll be an interface that you'll, you'll have your different options of your tokenomics for your token. And then it'll be what type of SIP do you want? Do you want this type of SIP or that type of SIP? Do you want it to be a permanent lock-in or, you know, et cetera, we'll give various different options. And then it'll just bolt to the, the back end of the community so that, Things like advertisement payments on the community will, will be paid into the SIP of the community um, and <clears throat> lots of other really, really cool things like that. You can think of the SIPs like skins. You're going to have one immutable SIP that's like the text database of Hive, if you think of it that way, where all the liquidity is. One thing you don't want to do is fracture liquidity. You want it to all be in one place. You want the ocean with rivers that feed off. And that's what you're going to have. You're going to have your own community token with your own SIP. And it's going to be a skin that just shows your trading peer, pairs. It has your own logo. It has everything that you want and interacts with the SIP the way you want it. While also on the back end, anyone can also trade your token off the site, right? I might just be there and notice that your token's there. So it gives the same concept to DEXs. Now you add the SIP to where, you know, you can have a high blog, a peak D, a Leo finance version of it while still not having to run any of that infrastructure yourself. It's all tied into the original SIP. And that's looking back at the Bancor technology and all this ways to be able to have multiple versions all tied back and feed back into a main protocol. So that's one of the most things I'm most excited about. That's going to be the heart of the, it's going to be the engine of the breakaway community, the lifeblood that really makes the monetization possible. And once people realize they can earn and, and be contribute and all of that, that's when they all flock in and these things become taken like jobs. They become taken very seriously. There, there is, a, there is a downside. I don't want to be too much of a downer, but there is, there is a downside to this. So it's the SIP is effectively a standard DeFi pool with a few quirky things to it, as you've seen from done there. Um, but it's new technology in graphene and it hasn't been built before. So we, Currently, Bobinson is going to be the main guy building that, and that's after he's built the various other things on the Speak Network and perfected them, such as the NFT, such as the tokens, such as the um, uh, what are, the decks that he's building, and then the Sons technology, of course. So he's going to be perfecting those, and, and then he'll start on the SIP. And he was saying that because it's the first time this type of technology has been built, it took um, the guys that built the original... Um, uh, DeFi pools on places like Ethereum, it took them like four years to build. Now, it's not going to take us four years to build the SIP, but it's not going to take us like six months. You know, it's it's new tech. It's something we've got to try. There's going to be, because of the sheer, the sheer amount of money in there, we have to be very careful. We have to test, retest and test again, and then break it as many times as we can. Um, because obviously, if this thing gets hacked, it could be, it could be pretty bad. Um, so because it's new tech, Bobinson's really pushing on the, the, you know, let's not get too excited just yet. It's going to take some time. So we're going to have some kind of temporary solution in between that we're going to discuss with the team as to how we can have a kind of middle operating SIP that does store some of the value and grows something so that by the time the SIP's ready, we can transfer that across in some way maybe. Um, but yeah, like to be, to kind of bring expectations into a realistic place, we're going to have to wait some time for the SIP to be completed. 
Yeah, and I might suggest disregard Fiat's done some interesting work in, in that area that might be applicable. He set up some some really nice peer-to-peer -peer, uh, token token hosting and, and things of that nature. So, I mean, that might be something to incorporate in, in the intern. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we yeah, for the short the term. Go on, Dunkle. Well, I was saying for the short term, one of the ideas was to take HBD and then lock it, stake it for that 10% interest and use that sort of in place in lieu of trading fees and just keep stocking it up. Um, one of the great things is we designed this with in mind that, you know, while the, the speak token is capped, there's inflation that has to run out and we're going to have plenty of run, run runway there. So the network's going to have security. But as the larynx miners start to be for sale, um, one of the tweaks at the beginning before the SIP is done is instead of sending in Hive, you're sending in HBD. And instead of that being locked permanently in a SIP, it's staked and the interest is used. Um, so there's definitely going to be a value capture mechanism from the get-go after the first year once the larynx miners start churning out for sale. Um, and then we'll f we can feed that HBD into a, a permanent liquidity pool or whatnot, whatever we decide to do from there. Um, but it'll be you know, obviously put into the sip in some form or fashion. Did, did you have a, a thought, on, Matt, that you were going on? Um, no, no, that's pretty, pretty much what Dan just said. It's pretty good. It, it, it's interesting, Dan, and this kind of tangents, but may, maybe uh, you can cover this because I did see a tweet that you sent out uh, where you talked about what HBD is and the impact on Hive and the relationship. And, and as excited as I am about the SIP, you just got me really excited because then you mentioned HBD. And in my opinion, HBD, if you understand the relationship between HBD and Hive, uh, it, it's, it's kind of they're attached on a string. So if you take HBD and you convert them to Hive, you increase the amount of Hive out there. But if we get to a point where HBD, more HBD is needed, that is going to suck Hive out of the system and, and create less Hive out there, liquid. And so obviously we know that's going to have an impact on the, the price of Hive. So you had a very interesting way that you described Hive. Uh, you care to, to explain that in the relationship between Hive and HBD? Yeah, especially as HBD becomes more liquid and um, we're able to trade larger amounts without moving the market too much. That's going to be the ultimate self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because let's say I want to cash out some of my hive, um, but I don't want to hurt the market price. I don't want to go dump a million dollars with the hive. Well, I can buy HBD that sucks that hive off the market. And now I can be risk off in an asset that's helping my remainder stash because you know, no matter what, I'm not going to plan to sell all of my hive or whatever. Just this hypothetical situation. If you're a trader, you might want to keep a little skin in the game. Um, so it it, be, it becomes a closed loop system as you start to think about it. It's like, oh, um, that one thing where it's like, well, well I sell my Bitcoin. It's like um, Neo says, oh, or Morpheus says, oh, one day you won't have to. It's the same thing with hive. It's like, well, you sell your hive, but if you're buying HBD, technically you're not selling your hive. You're taking it off the market via that HBD. So, yeah, I mean, no matter what happens after that year, you know, I, I love the HBD idea as well. So we might even keep and run with that and, and lock it into a SIP and have sort of bonds where you're also collecting that 10% but able to play around with that 3D unstake because it's sort of quick enough to, to do something with there. But, yeah, the idea of locking HBD off the market, making it more scarce, just sucks high right off the market. And if we ever get to a point where there's a ton of it, demand for HBD, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you have to, you know, 
Um, it's just taking a hive off the market. There's more de demand for HBD. There's less hive on the market. Therefore, the hive market cap should grow. That way, we're protected from the haircut, and we can just keep, um, you know, expanding. So it's a really good thing to have high demand for HBD. The more liquid it becomes, it's it's going to hit orbit one time. It hasn't reached it yet, but it's going to hit orbit where it becomes so liquid and so off the radar of regulators because of the way it's, it's now goes stable coin. It's not, it's not backed by any physical goods or any fiat or anything. It's going to be highly sought after. Then, yeah, that's that's one of those loops that I think people underestimate about Hive. They always ask, oh, where can we take off? Can it be games? Can it be apps? could be an algo stable coin that lives outside the system that people want to park $10 million in. And then that changes the face of Hive completely. I mean, mm. you just created an HBD SIP, Don. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think what, to, to add what you were saying, Dan, I, I think it's important to pe for people to understand HBD is, is backed by one dollar worth of hive it's not backed by one dollar it, it has the 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 one dollar is just a, a numerical denomination it's actually backed by hive so if hive is ten dollars one hbd is worth 0.1 hive if if hive is one dollar then one hbd is worth uh one hive and as all of this grows we can see how Ultimately, there will be incentive to create a lot more HBD, like you said, if there's use cases and demand for it, because as the amount of hive increases, the amount of a hive required to create one HBD decreases significantly. For sure. Yep. Yep. I guess I guess the only the only downside to that is if you know hive goes to say twenty dollars, <throat> and we've still got the ten percent back in. And that gets maxed out, and then Hive goes to one dollar. God, God forbid, there might be some uh, some issues there that need to be need to be dealt with. Well, and, and I posed that to Block Trades, and he said the the downside, whatever it is, the the haircut level, ten percent, twenty percent, fifteen percent, thirty percent, that helps to on the downside pr protect yeah. that person who gets all that 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 HBD at twenty, then turn around and starts to print out five hundred million hive at, at ten cents, um, and I think also. I think we have to, and it's it's not exact, but I think we have to presume that with that string as the price of Hive, if the price of Hive dropped and there was enough HPD out there, that gives price upward pricing pressure for, for Hive to keep it from totally collapsing. And then you guys have that SIP going. I mean, there could be tens of Hive locked up in the SIP and, and basically it's in circulation, but it's not. For sure. Mm-hmm. What, yep. One question I do have, um, you, you mentioned, Matt, what's already done. You know, the, the, the uh, Peer Plays team, they had a lot of this in, in, in order already before and completed before you guys got funded. Uh, you know, we talked about that some of this is going to be near term. Some of it it's, might take a year. Is there one day that's going to come in the future here soon in the next 85, 90, 110 days, whatever, where all of a sudden a flip is, a, a switch is flipped and hey, speak networks online or is this just, well, we got a test net, we got this, we got this on mainland. Okay, yeah. we did the snapshot. Yeah. 
how do we know what's the MVP look like? Maybe that's my uh, question. To me, that there's there's a there's a hashtag. So you know, all of our milestones have got different hashtag names. Yes. The idea being that people tweet out the hashtags as we complete the milestones or as we get up to completing them. Um, <clears throat> so we've got a critical path on the project to actually get what something that looks like the speed network out and running, right? So so when you see it running, it'll be like, oh, this is the speed network, and it is it is the hashtag Web three, uh, which is basically when Bobinson and Voltec finish integrating the mining mechanisms into the node system. Um, so the critical path basically at the moment is Voltec's got to build the node systems out. Let me just get this on the screen. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, there we go. Voltec's going to build out. The, it confuses me too. He's, <laughs> he's going to build out the node system. Uh, that's going to take several weeks, maybe um, certainly several months. Uh, and then once the node system's built, he'll build out. He'll begin building out the integration of the node system into the uh, mining mechanisms that interact with the SON system from PeerPlays, because PeerPlays is where the tokenomic system is going to be based, at least initially. We're, like we say, we're looking to move that across to Hive Layer One eventually, but for the, for the initial setup, it will be on PeerPlays. Um, so when those two things have integrated together. We're looking, you know, I, I hate to give a date because these things move around and change because yeah. of the way the technology changes. But from the work that we've done so far and the way we've looked at it, we think we think kind of mid quarter two next year, maybe end of quarter two next year, uh, we're looking at having that out. And once that's out, that means that basically everyone can run nodes and everyone can receive rewards for running those nodes. Uh, and that, that that will be in speak and um, bracket payments. Um, however, having said that, the the token systems finished, the NFT systems finished, um, the SON swap systems finished, and those things are now going into testnet. So I anticipate there'll be some form of those things up and running, particularly if we manage to build out front ends for those things, which looks like will be possible with some of the work that Disregard Fiat's doing. Um, we, we may get to a place where some of those things are already operational before we even have speak out. So it might be, I haven't quite got my head around this yet because we haven't we probably haven't done enough deep thinking on it, but it might be the case that we've got NFTs out and running, we've got various community tokens out and running before we even got a speak token out, uh, which might be quite interesting. Um, but we'll have to we'll have to talk, I guess Dan and I'll have to talk a bit more deeply about the game, the game theory behind that. Um, but there's, there's definitely going to be features out. Um, the platforms, the communities, the ability to create front ends will be out and running long before um, Web3, hashtag Web3 is reached. Um, so, so yeah, there's going to be plenty going on for sure. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. Okay, so that that basically is the barometer for the when the Speak Network is alive and just guesstimate mid 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 2022, give or take a couple months either way, whatever uh, on it. So that that gives us a range. Jongo, you got any uh, questions from the uh, peanut gallery or anything commenting? Uh, people making fun of our bald heads or whatever? Uh, well, people are definitely interested in me and you dancing naked on the beaches of Mexico with megaphones. I mean, I think that's definitely the highlight. We'll, we'll, we'll see how many front ends block that. Um, probably I got, the most. I hope you got big megaphones, boys. Yes, yes, perfect. <laughs> Um, stick up boys, stick up boys in Vim, and he wanted to know. Um, uh, I think this was more of the uh, when when Dan was talking about the uh, the issues, and actually Matt was talking about it too. The issues with the uh, 
the suspect member that was uploading stuff on three speak. Uh, he wanted to know, can this be based on accounts rather than vote value? Otherwise rich people are going to be the ones silencing people. Does that, does that make sense as the question? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, there's a lot of um, technical issues when you're trying to talk about one account, one vote, um, civil attacks become easy. You have to enforce some sort of KYC, um, and actually, contrary to popular belief, I would say that account voting, KYC voting is more susceptible to rich people because um, if it costs very little, like it, like it, it doesn't cost me anything to, to vote a certain way, well, mm -hmm. if somebody can pay me a penny or 10 cents, then they can do that on a mass scale to, to buy votes from, from people maybe in poorer countries and all of that. So skin in the game is really the foundation. From there, you have to sort of um, parameter it, right? So if this is a community token, right, then um, that community should have a well distribution. Um, you know, don't join communities that have, you know, I guess pre-mines and um, centrally controlled token balances if you want something like that. But that's more that gets more into tokenomics of individual communities and how they want to move forward but all this is open source at the end of the day so you can run what kind of list you want um it's not going to be like hard programmed or anything like that the, the other thing here to remember is that the the validators will be elected based on a proof of stake a delegated proof of stake voting system uh just like the witnesses are elected on hive <clears throat> and they'll have a lot of say over which videos get processed um because they're the guys that are going to be able to basically in, in simple terms it comes through them first gets saved and then the people storing the videos save it off those guys um <clears throat> and those guys will be trusted guys in the network so if they're starting to mess around and upload content that the community doesn't like you just unvote these people you know and hold them to account that way um in terms of what one thing would be interesting to me to run at some point would be a, a kind of like a set of scenarios whereby we know the outcome um, because it's well established already on chain. And then we allow people to vote for that outcome on either an account by account, you know, one account, one vote basis or a, and as well as a stake weighted vote basis. And then we see what difference the, the two voting mechanisms come back with uh, and see how viable e either one is um, for, for the different scenarios. You know, um, I think it's fairly obvious that the, how you gain one account, one vote uh, quite easily. So it's not going to be viable for many things, but there may be things that even with the game, gaming, gaming aspect, one account, one vote is viable for. I don't know exactly. Um, so I, I'm personally open mind, open minded to various different voting mechanisms and playing around with different things. Um, but for now, really, the best that DPOS has ever come up with is is stake weighted voting, and um, it seems to keep everyone fairly happy. Um, and as long as that chain, as Dan was saying, just as long as that token is distributed well, and you can see that on chain, then it means that you've got a reasonably well distributed um, voting mechanism that caters for all the different stakeholders within that within that ecosystem. Um, you know, if you if you had a voting mechanism whereby Steamy Inc, as we had before, was able to use twenty percent of the vote to overrule um, everyone and, and putting their own sock puppet witnesses, now we've got a problem, right? So that's when state weighting state weighted voting doesn't work. But when, you, when you're on a chain uh, and, and within an ecosystem that has a well-distributed token and that token has a fair distribution and people can agree that 
you know, there was <coughs> there were things that people disagreed on initially, but this is five years ago now. And now we have a, a relatively, you know, the people that wanted to get out have got out, the people that want to be in are in. Um, no one's got a particularly large controlling supply of the of the supply. So it means that when we do vote, we can fairly well trust that it isn't just the rich controlling the chain, although they, they do often tip the balance, but that's because they've managed to either accumulate or purchase a large stake. Um, but it's not like there's one guy with like 10 or 20 percent of, of the supply controlling everything that everyone does. And, and that's that's like a nice medium me, medium that we've got that we managed to find. And we're very lucky for it, in my opinion. You know, it's something that you can't plan. It doesn't, doesn't come about by force. It's an organic thing. And we've managed to maintain that on Hive. So, you know, I think the state weighting voting system on Hive works fairly, fairly well so far. I think that brings back to a lot of what we opened this discussion with. And, and, and when Dan was commenting about the proof of stake and, and Hive kind of being a unicorn because Hive started distributed because we we wanted to fork out the, the ninja mine. But is somebody going to start a chain today without a founder stake? Are, are they going to start a chain? I mean, is that even possible? And we know that chains that are already in that boat, that they're not decentralized, they're not going to decentralize over time. If anything, they're going to go the other way and get less. They're going to get more centralized. So can can somebody duplicate what we've done on Hive other than just working Hive, which I guess somebody could do? I've done a lot of research, not research, but just I've, I've, this is stuff that I actually find interesting. And we have a lot to, to look at, right? Because like I said, on Steemit, or Steam, when Steemit Inc. had the, the controlling stake, lots of prominent people wanted to fork. There was lots of debates going on. There was lots, you know, I remember the when they when Steemit Inc. started powering down, everyone started rock the boat again. Um, and then I look around at all the other ecosystems and you see people might bitch at founders and they might do this and that. But I've yet to see a community come together and say, all right, look, we're just going to fork. We're going to do one-to-one and we're going to cut out the founders and we're all, we're just going to do this together. And it, it all comes back to the chicken and egg. Who's going to fund it? If you're not under duress, if you're not in a war zone, that means you have time to think. If you have time to think, you have time to bitch and complain. If you have time to bitch and complain, that means nothing ever gets done. So people are going to be like, oh, I want to use my method. Oh, no, I want to do it this way. Or, or maybe we should do it this way. And it just stays in stalemate. And the time is ticking. Um, the whole concept of we see a lot of tokens flying around left and right and all this crazy fun stuff. You know, this noise is going to be dead silent in 10 years. It's going to be regulated to a nub. You're going to have very tight sealed. It's going to have the personal responsibility, meaning oh, if you have Bitcoin, you report it. We can't control Bitcoin. But um, and the same thing for Hive. And then the rest of it's going to have controlled parameters and all of that, in my opinion. And if you try to do a community fork in that environment, when they can see a tick off of an elephant's ass from a mile away, like, what are you doing? What do you think? You're, you think you're starting up a value use case. You think you're become your own central bank. You think twice. We, we're smart. We have the tools. We understand how to regulate and monitor this thing. So just getting tokens into other people's hands. And we've seen it. What happened with voice, right? They realize, holy shit, we don't want anything to do with this. We don't want people transferring tokens. We don't want to have any kind of deal with that because we've already had the SEC up our ass. We know what the problem is, what's going to happen. And it died, right? Voice just kind of 
you know, then Dan Larimer left and he's kind of making his own, but it's kind of weird the way he's making it. But you're starting to see like the people who know the regulators who talk to them, they don't want to do it. They, they walk away like they've seen ghosts. And it's like, okay, um, the writing's on the wall for them. And people just are underestimating the power of what's going to happen. So I just think that if you're not going to fork now, if you think you're going to fork five years from now, there's no way in hell. It becomes a hundred times harder. Ten years from now, it's, it's, it's jail time. It's impossible. So I think that, yeah, we are a unicorn. We've been able to kick the can around for five years. We're still under the radar, which while simultaneously trying to onboard, it's a funny feeling. I still feel happy knowing, hey, we're, 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 we're low key. We're not being stomped down yet. We're, we, we can get these tokens in the very, you know, infiltrate countries. I want to be in every country in the world. I want to become as resistant as possible. We still have that. We don't have the shot. You know, the lights aren't on us. We don't have SEC barking up our ass. We don't have everyone doing this and that trying to attack us. We, we're, we're still under the radar, and that's something not to take for granted. So that's why I'm always urging people, distribute your stake. We can't do this on any other chain like you can here. We can actually distribute the power. Every vote makes, and then someone powers that up and votes, makes the chain more censorship resistant, makes everything better. So I think that. To try to replicate Hive right now would be damn near impossible. Five years from now, it's just not happening. Ten years, I would think it actually would be literally impossible. Yeah, and I, I think it's <clears throat> – we can add to that. You you use the term censorship resistant. Maybe regulation resistant is what we also need to be focused upon because, like you said, I mean, you get more tokens out there to more wallets in more countries – the resiliency shoots up through the roof because all of a sudden this little country over here has a whole bunch of people, then another country and, and so on and so forth. And it's like, where do you go after people? You, yeah, you just can't. Whack -mole. Yeah. Whack-a-mole. And, they, and they've already, and they're already saying right now, the new regulation, you're going to have to report anything over $600 in your, in your crypto wallet. What people don't realize VCs have not had to report their earnings, they, their 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 funds, like these little deals, these side deals they had. They've been able to be really swift and kind of keep that in the background. Now they're here and they want to know what you have. And you're going to pull up Cardano. You're going to pull up all these pre-mined chains. And you're going to be like, oh, wow, who has 40% of the supply? Oh, it's this person because they don't want to break the law and go to prison. So they're not going to lie about it. So we're, you're, it's going to be like um, X-ray. And you're gonna see the top hundred. And you're like, holy shit! Like these are all the attack vectors, and they're just gonna go knocking one by one. And they might not shut them down, but they're gonna have they're gonna be holding like the the, the, the founder's pocket. Like, well, anything you do, um, I have you have to get approval first. Um, so that I, I see that happen in the next two years, and then the whole idea of coin voting, censorship resistance—that's what people are going to start to really understand. And then that's when you might get some community forks. But if you don't get them, then you're never going to get them. So the next two years is absolutely paramount if communities want to start to prepare themselves because it's coming. There's nothing you can do about it. So part, uh, part, uh, I just want to say quickly, but part of the problem with this is that <clears throat> the majority of the people, especially in those top top 50 tokens, they're not there for the for the the foundational reason of the token. They're there to make money. <clears throat> you know, they're, they're fundamentally investors. Yep. And so these, these tokens are all filled with these investors, especially a lot of these VCs. They've got no kind of will within to go and actually run the ecosystem and actually take on the responsibility of saying, hey, fought the founders out. We're going to go over here and start running our own chain. I, I, you know, so few people are able to do that on these ecosystems. This is one of the reasons we were so lucky with Hive, because when it forked, there were so many people willing to step up and actually run technology 
and that you know certainly i couldn't have done that um so it's going to be a very very interesting scenario and a lot of these um these top 50 tokens as as what dan's just said starts to happen and as they start to realize holy shit we can't run this ourselves we're going to have to live with these founders um it's going to be a very very interesting time in the crypto world over the next few years let's put it that way or the vcs if it gets to be too much pain yes they'll just sell they'll just say okay we'll dump it take the loss and we'll, we'll just move on we don't care like you said there's no no commitment they it's just about the money and even a loss they they could use the tax write-off because they're making it up elsewhere yeah 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 possible what what do you uh see i mean it's obvious i was going to say uh dan's a little bit optimistic about hive it seems he that hasn't waned in the last four months since we talked and matt i think you're a little optimistic about hive and uh john and i have a, a degree of optimism that there's a chance here where where do you see uh things are at now i mean dan mentioned flying under the radar but there's so much going on and a lot happening and I haven't really paid attention. I guess there's some banter back and forth about the next hard fork and some of the things going on in there. Where do you think stand, things stand now with Hive? What are some of the projects that excite the two of you outside of Speak, which I know occupies a lot of your time? What's going on at the core development and maybe like the next hard fork that excites you that you want to see in there that you think that needs to be in there, that type of stuff? Um, I like the scalability that's always something that's not the sexiest to talk about. But every time I read an update from Block Trades, it seems he gets the replay times down. It seems like he gets the the speed and efficiency increase. Of course, looking forward to half. Um, I like what they're doing over there at Deluxe. Um, of course, Splinterlands is always doing good. Um, Leo Finance is always interesting. Lots of games. I'm really interested in any of the NFT games. Um, getting things like that. I think we're about to have a really cool looking NFT marketplace launch. Um, so we're partnered up with Deluxe on that. Um, as far as changes, um, we're at a really good spot. I, I've actually got to go back to a post I was writing where I, I had my wish list. I think there's about 10 things, but nothing urgent. Um, one of the things I've always been fiddling around with is maybe an instant power down where you, you charge 10. I'm actually thinking something like 15 to 20% now, like a real, real hefty gouge um, that gets returned back to HP holders. Um, but the more I think about it, the you know I really like where we are to, uh, in a in a token distribution place. Maybe something to do with the downvotes. I know there's been it's always going to be some drama there, but I think that we we there's some um, smooth came up with a really great expanding on an idea I had in terms of a free counter downvote, but it can only happen under certain circumstances where it can't be um, can't be heavily abused or abused at all. Something like we did with the free downvotes because people who if it comes to an opportunity cost, um, that's not sustainable and you can't rely on that. And it's not a good business model or a foundational model in terms of, oh, well, we have to rely on goodwill. Um, if, if we had a free counter like we did with the free downboats, I mean, I was bitching at BidBots the entire time I was there. Free downboats came. They were literally run out overnight. I've never seen a reaction that fast to a paying business model where people are really ingrained. They were really had a reason to keep it up and it was just eradicated. So I think there's a few little things that we might be missing that a, a few little tweaks that lead to major, major advancements. I actually had a really new idea for proof of brain, but I'll be a post too long for now, but there are some really cool things that we could do in my opinion. So yeah, I'm always going to be tinkering, but we're finally in a place where, 
you know, we got rid of that damn five minute window. Thank God that that's been a blessing. That's changed things for, I manually curate all the time without like feeling my gut being punched, um, voting 18 hours later after the five minute window. But yeah. What about you, Matt? Is there anything you're, you're excited about for next hard fork? Yeah, definitely half. Half's going to be an app builder's dream. Um, when we, you know, without us being able to be exposed to that way of thinking, you know, it's always been a limit, you know, what, what you can take from the chain, where do you get it from? How long does it take you to get it? How much load does that put on your servers? Do you get that every, you know, how often do you get that information? So with half, it will allow us to uh, more, more further customize what information we want to take from the chain and when, and then maybe Matt, access to it. Sorry to interrupt, but maybe you could explain for those who don't know what half half is and what the benefit is to those who are interested in half. Yeah, sure. I'll give it a go. I don't know if I'm the, the best technical technical guy to do it, but from my understanding, basically it allows app builders to um, customize the data that is pulled from the chain. So normally you've got access to the whole chain. You have to dig in and it's, you know, data is not standardized necessarily. It's, it's buried in there somewhere. It takes a lot of server energy and effort to go out and don't go in and get that data on a regular basis. So something like half is like an, an in-between. So you've got like your app, you've got half, and you've got the main blockchain database. So half's constantly getting the data for you. And then you just refer to half as the app whenever you need that data. And it's set for you in a standardized way so that you can get it really, really, really easily. It's the exact data that you need for your app. Uh, and it just makes the whole process a lot quicker and, and kind of more smooth. Um, so that's going to be really, really cool because it's just going to it's going to it's going to allow the, the horizons of what apps can do to expand. It's going to make our server loads go down, um, which gives us more opportunity to pull more data if we need to, or to use that server space for other things. Uh, it will just make running apps on Hive way more efficient than what they even are already, which is already pretty much better than every other app I've seen, <clears throat> every other chain that I've seen. Um, I personally, I've always liked to see um, light accounts on on Hive whereby instead of having to get keys um, and then interact with the chain, light accounts would stop you from interacting with the chain apart from for transactions. So it's kind of like having a Bitcoin account <clears throat> or an Ethereum account. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're just given a set of keys, one public key, one private key, and then you can, you can send money back and forth on the chain and you can get access to different tokens and things like that. But you can't interact with the chain via posting mechanisms or anything like that. Um, so those would be really, really cool to see. However, having said that, um, on the Speak Network, we're using um, what we're using, Dan. Cos Cosmos, Cos Ceramic. Thank you very much. <laughs> we're using we're using Ceramic type accounts, um, and those will allow us to bring in different blockchains and allow us to also have a light account system. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to that because that for, for us in terms of signups, it's really going to be cool because people won't have to have a blockchain account; they'll be able to interact with the ecosystem without having a chain account without storing every single activity they do on chain um, and then have that kind of like account system there to use. And then when they're ready to upgrade, they'll be able to go buy themselves uh, a Hive account and then attach, you know, to that um, light account, they'll be able to attach blockchain, uh, Bitcoin accounts, uh, Ethereum accounts, Hive accounts, um, all sorts of things and, and have the whole kind of ecosystem just kind of bouncing away and, and, and using each chain for its best uh, application. Excellent. Uh, the only thing I want to add is, uh, and I don't know if it's it's being discussed, but I, I understand resource credit pools are going to, are they going to make it into the next hard fork or aren't they? Have you heard word? 
Um, I, I'm not sure if we're going to have resource pools as we once understood them. I understand that they're not going to be de direct delegation, sort of like HP delegation. Oh, okay. And um, as far as I know, that's out. That's actually not a. Um, there's a lot that he can do off chain, um, if oh. not all of it. But don't quote me. But uh, his last update I was reading, and from when last talking to him, that it shouldn't be. I mean, as far as it should be in a testing phase, if anything, he's been working on it for a while, and he's now asking about communities. So yeah, we definitely need to get RC delegation. That's going to be a big business model for Hive apps in the future. I want to onboard people seamlessly. Is that Block Traits or Howell who's working on that? It's a Howell. Yeah, Howell. He's doing some pretty cool things with communities as well. I don't know if you saw his one of his recent posts, but he's making them so you can have like um, subscription payments for communities. Um, he's having it so that you can um, there's certain like access settings that you can get to different areas of communities and things like this. Seems really really cool what he's working on. Um, I I think he's aiming for them to be in the next hard fork, but I've got no confirmation yet as to whether they are or aren't going to be in the next hard fork. Excellent. And, and it seems that I, I don't know if you you know the success that John and I have been having, but um, on Spotify, we are now over 40 million weekly listeners. 41 million. 41 million. 40, 40, I have get it, get it, got to get that right. Come on. <laughs> and and we're, we're right there with Joe Rogan. And what? Like, no, and, and like Joe Rogan, we, we got a contract offer from Spotify to, to go exclusive to Spotify. So we may be leaving Hive to go to Spotify. It's the same $100 million figure. The difference is they paid Joe in USD. They offered us in Steam. And so John and I are kind of like, we don't really want that Steam crap. So we're probably going to stick with Hive and tell Spotify to go jump in a lake. But anyway, that, joking aside, it seems like we did inspire you. You guys have your own show. Matt, we missed you last week. Dan, Dan had us do a solo act. And it was kind of like Martin without Lewis and, you know, <laughs> without Gracie. It, 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 the show's a duet. It doesn't really work as a solo, as I found out a couple of weeks ago when John, John and I were on and he disappeared and left me for about seven minutes to do a monologue. Well, well you oh, just yeah, talked about the Speak Network. You just yeah, about I went on minutes about the Speak Network. John left it. It was our question and answer session. He has all the questions. So he leaves. He His internet goes down, and I don't have the questions. So what do I do? It's like being on live TV. So I talked about Speak Network for seven minutes. And oh, well, we got some free markets in that. Gave you guys a plug. Good thing I just watched your kickoff video before that. Um, anyway, my point is you guys have a, a show you put up each week. Uh, tell us about it for those who haven't caught it. Dan, I believe you post it under your account or at least uh, rehive re it under your account. Uh, what is it? What's the point of it? And, and how's it going? Yeah, it's, um, it was actually, I believe, Matt's idea of wanting to get a podcast going, inspired, of course, by you two great gentlemen. And there was we'll just take credit you know, for it. <laughs> Yeah, and um, yeah, we, it, it's just a really good way to talk about community tokens and um, just sort of it, vibe with the community, have people on. We have a little segment where if you want to come on and get voted up, then we'll have you on. It doesn't matter really who you are. We had um, Unorg on, Unorg Militia. We had Brian of London. But really, it's just, you know, we go look for interesting Hive posts or tweets that might be, you know, 
resemble hive and they don't know it right they're asking for hive and they don't know they're asking for hive and things like that but um yeah i, I have fun with it i think it's a great i think it's a, a fun little thing that we got going each week and we just hope to be consistent with it and um no real major plans with it we just want to see where it goes yeah i mean we dan and i have been talking for for months and months do you remember back when DeFi was all the craze and there was that team of guys that we were, we were watching closely and they had um, a Telegram uh, live room that was really cool. <clears throat> the live room was like open 24-7 and it was constantly going. And there's always like a new dev or new person from the team stepping in, taking charge of the conversation and directing it around the group. And it was really, really cool. So Dan and I were like, oh, we, we need to get something like that. But of course, to focus just purely on having like a 24-hour podcast running, it's that's a mission. So... We kind of came to a compromise. Obviously, we really did take a little bit of draw from what you guys are doing uh, and saw how cool that was. And um, so we decided we just do like a once a week uh, meet together. Like Dan was saying, we'll, we'll just talk about kind of the, the hot topics, you know, specifically for Web3. Um, and I think it's really, really cool because we know that talking about Web3 and not just what the Speak Network's doing, but really anything that we see that's going on in the Web3 world that's important. Um, we we just you know you're talking about the cutting edge of technology you know and not very many people know about it and i i, I like to think that you know there's going to be guys getting involved in web3 a year from now two years from now and they're going to be looking back at the podcast that we did and just lit just absorbing it you know just going okay this is what web3 is this is what web3 is this is some <laughs> clever ways to get involved in it um so i'm really excited about that and i think it will be really really cool for the future as well for people uh, not just getting involved in Web3 now, but in, in, in years years to come from that. Yeah, I, I mean, this may be a little bit over-the-top statement, but uh, I firmly believe that Hive is at the epicenter of this Web3 movement. And uh, with the developers we have here, with the entrepreneurs, with the, the innovators, and with the technology, as, as you both have alluded to a number of times, um, obviously, you, you both did your research and, and looked at everything, trying to figure out which way you were going to take the Speak Network. And uh, I mean, it all routed right back to Hive and similar blockchains or similar ecosystems to Hive with peer plays. And then now we can throw Telios from another perspective in there that, you know, yes, I, I think you're right, Matt, that five years from now, we'll look back and say, you know, we, we were making history as it was going along. And that's pretty cool. I'm into that. John, anything to add before we uh, wrap this up? Anything? To no, I, you no, I mean, I'm, you know, super excited about everything that's going on, you know, not only with, with, with Hive, but specifically here with Speak. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, it's so funny you were talking about um rewarding people that have been you know using three speak and i'm sitting here beside taskmaster i think he does about four or five three speak videos a day i'm pretty sure so i think that isn't the dude like the top earner on hive i'm sure he's like uh, every month every month it's <laughs> every machine. month yeah yeah he's a machine it's <laughs> it's insane i you know well but it, okay he let, <laughs> let, 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 let me I know, that, I, know, I know that really Tash, Tash just wakes up in the morning, does his cup of tea and does what he normally does. He doesn't even know wait, that he's wait. the top on Hive. I, I, well, we usually do these shows. It's like 11 o'clock my time because <laughs> I'm on Mountain Time. 
but it's one o'clock in the afternoon for him. He always tells me, oh yeah, I did a post this morning. Like he's doing posts at like six in the morning or something. <laughs> then he does one at noon. Then he does one at night. It's uh... this. This is Dan and I's way of getting back him, you know, because we did notice a few little like moan and groan type complaints that we were producing too much content, you know, and he couldn't keep up with all of it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like finally, this is how you know. This is how you make everyone else on high field task, right? You just all this content's coming out of you. Everyone's like, oh my god, how do we keep up with this man? You know, <laughs> did you, he's like, did you see my latest post? I'm like, which one? I mean, you know, which one today or last uh, week? Like, uh, okay, uh, I'll tell you my my latest idea here. Now I, I kind of dropped a hint of this in in Leo Market Talk, but I haven't really announced it, haven't formalized it. But what my plan is to help both Leo Finance and Three Speak. We all know that shorts, short videos are all the rage right now. And what I'm looking at doing is I'm going to open up an account uh, on Hive, a Hive account. It'll be with no rewards. It can always post with zero rewards. This isn't to make money or anything. And what I'd like to do is to get five or 10 people who put together maybe 10 to 15 videos a day you know, under a minute, 45 seconds, a minute, a minute, uh, five, something like that, and post them to three speak videos that are centered around Leo Finance's idea of cryptocurrency and finance, and just try to get a bunch of content up on three speak. And then that type of stuff can be tweeted out, can be Facebooked out, can be thrown all over the place. And, you know, they can be things such as, well, what's happened to the price of Bitcoin in the last hour or what happened to the price of Hive or what did the stock market do or Apple had this latest announcement or whatever's going on, these short little clips. And hopefully that'll get people, you know, yeah, we many of us like making the longer videos, the five, seven, ten, you know, Dan's case of uh, 45 minute videos. Um but get a lot of those quick hits because that's a hot thing. And that's the stuff you can blast out over social media. So, that's so what he's trying to do, he's trying to turn three speak into TikTok. That's his idea. Just so you guys know. <laughs> so we've well, got well, a having, dance having, for sure on camera. Having now. said that, having said that, if you go into three speak on the left-hand side, uh, kind of burger bar, there's a, there's a little section for communities. And one of them is called three speak shorts. And we started this a couple of years ago now. Uh, to try to get people to post um, short form videos and just give them a, you know, keep our eye on it and give it a bit more of a, a reward. Um, I think s still people do post to it, but it, it never really took off for some reason on three speak. Um, but one of the things that I'm thinking here, um, we, we kind of need to agree on a page or, or a tag that we use. And then maybe we can have a separate page on three speak that is just like short, you know, short form content for today or content to tweet about for today. And then it automatically just posts that to the front end and people just go grab the stuff that you're making and make headlines about it, you know, cause that's, that, you're right. That's what people want to see. They don't, they don't want to see about how I just signed up for three speak or anything. They want to see about, you know, why did the Bitcoin grow, Bitcoin price go up in 50 by $50,000 today? And a quick technical explanation on it on a one minute video. You know, that's what people want to see. And, and when, when, and obviously I, I have some loyalty to, to Leo Finance and, and have some stake in there. But the one thing about that is 
that type of content is ideal for shorts, you know, yeah. because you look at the, the financial media or the crypto media, and there's always something going on. So it's like a, a quick hit of, you know, because you see these questions, you see them on Twitter. Why the heck did the price of Hive run up uh, 60 cents? Well, we're in the pump. So somebody makes a quick video. Hey, the Koreans are pumping the price of Hive again. Or, you know, why did all of a sudden Bitcoin drop 2000 bucks in, in an hour? Uh, or 10 minutes. It, and that type of stuff is what people eat up, I think. And you can send it out on social media. Yeah. And, hey, here's your uh, answer. Something that we're not very good at that we should be on Hive is we really are a media machine, you know. There's a massive energetic monster behind Hive of people just, just churning out content. We're really not very good at getting that content out in front of people's eyes. And maybe, the, maybe this is the start of it. Maybe this is the best way to do it. Well, what, what I'll do, uh, Matt, is uh, I'll get with you over the next day or so and we'll, we'll have some conversations and maybe you do a little research on, on your end with some of the developers. And I'll, I'll hold off on this idea till you know, we can figure out what maybe what the best way to approach it from a design perspective on 3Speak. Because I, I wanted to help, uh, you know, my idea is it can help Leo Finance, it can help 3Speak, it can help two, two, two communities at the same time and get more content on 3Speak, get the name 3Speak out there and, and that type yeah. of thing, get the URL going. Yeah, let, let's take it offline, but just to have a little think about it from your point of view, uh, all, all I'd really need, I think, from you is, you know, <clears throat> who's going to do the content? If it's just going to be limited to you or limited to a certain number of people, I don't want what? it to be me. I want to get, I want to get, you know, five or ten consistent a people a make a, people a, a yeah. short video or two yeah. a day and and post it up there, and we'll give access yeah. to the account. I'll set up an email account, and they can access through the yeah. three speak through email and and post. And then we'll just we'll we'll set a couple of tags for it, and we'll we'll figure out what that is, and then we'll put it onto the three speak front end so anyone can copy it. Um, so yeah, let's keep in touch. I'm looking forward to that. Django, you're involved. Okay. Yeah, but you know my financial <laughs> advice is buy. Hold. <laughs> Don't do anything yeah. else. <laughs> Stake it. Like, I mean, you know. hey, anything you guys want to add that we didn't cover? One of the daily videos would just be John Golson says buy hodl. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> every, day. every day. Take it. That's it. There's, there's my financial that, advice. But by yeah. doing that over the next 10 years, you can prove yourself to be the world's premier financial analyst. <laughs> so I've been saying this smartest, years, but hey, you know. <laughs> he, he puts up the same video every day. He just changes the date on it. So yeah. for 10 years, he's going to be in the same shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or not be for actually do a different shirt every day. You know, that, that'd be the running joke. Oh. Same advice, just different shirt every day. <laughs> <laughs> Could go viral. You never know. Oh, yeah, that's you know. Anything that either you guys want to add that we didn't cover that you want everybody to know, uh, you know, they can check out, uh, Dan, uh, you put a lot of stuff up in your account. You put stuff up in the speak network account. Um, anything else? Uh, Eddie Pino puts up Eddie, Eddie Pino. What, what Eddie Spino, Eddie Spino. He puts up a lot of stuff, uh, re regarding three speak. Um, anything else that I'm missing here? What, one thing I'd say is, um, I'm just, I don't even know if you don't know this yet, Dan, but um, one, um, Bill's Prague, Bill S. Prague has just started working with us to <clears throat> break up some of our content so that it's in segments, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of our stuff's long form. Uh, me, and, me and Dan t tend to go on a little bit. 
So um, we're trying to break up a lot of our content into short form for the same reason that, you know, in five, 10 years from now, people are going to want to be able to watch this stuff and understand, you know, this short title here, okay, 10 minute video, I can watch and absorb that information. Um, so we, we, we're going to start doing that fairly soon with Bill. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, and the other thing I'd say is pl please tune into Community Token Talk, CTT. It's issued through they call, they, they call Me Dan account. We do it every Friday. Um, we want guests on as well. You know, we, we're more than happy to invite one of you guys on as well if you want to come at some point. Um, maybe we'll save that for a couple more weeks. But, um, but yeah, let's have you guys on the show. We have any guests on the show that, that comments and pe if people upvote the comment, um, you know, just comment and say, oh, I want to be on the show. People upvote that comment, then we'll, we'll have you on the show as a guest and we'll just invite you in for a bit of a chat. Um, so, yeah, we're just talking about everything that we think is, is the latest information on Web3 and why it's important and, and everything like that. So that's kind of the best thing that I'd say that people can follow us on and um, and get, get to know what we're doing. And, you know, from there, you'll hear everything else, basically. Dan, any final words? Um, we have a Hive developers room in the Speak Network. If you have any Hive apps, especially if you're dealing with off-chain data, um, might be interested to get in there, see if we can start figuring some cool features out for you. And... Yeah, just um, stay tuned. We have a lot going on. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff that comes with the Speak Network as it's launching. And um, some of this stuff's going to come out early. Some of this stuff's going to come out later. But, you know, gaming is going to be a big focus. So lots of cool stuff on the horizon. Well, guys, thank you for coming on and giving us your time. I know we took up a, a few hours here, but uh, I think the community does enjoy it. Uh, John said from the feedback that he got on your last appearance, it was one of our more popular uh, shows. So hopefully this will uh, be the same because uh, what you guys are uh, doing is first and foremost on a lot of people's mind as it relates to Hive. I, I know I keep pushing it all over the place where I, where I can. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, guys, thanks Thanks for coming. And, um, yeah, just like Tass said, uh, people are really excited about it. Um, Speak Network has definitely captured the attention of a lot of people. Uh, I like to think that I'm, you know, keep my ear to the street with a lot of the communities that are going around on Hive, and that's number one. You know, it's like Splinterlands, Speak Network. You know, it's like very, very exciting times right now. Well, you guys got their attention six months ago when you threw out the word airdrop. So they oh, yeah, dude, you say attention. airdrop, and it's like people <laughs> moth to a flame, right? I mean, it's, yeah. we, we probably started talking about about that a little bit too early because it's been a long time with people saying, "Hey, when's this claim drop? Claim drop coming out? Everyone thinks it's an airdrop. Right, yes, it's a claim, claim drop, drop. Yes, yes. Right. And um, um, it's just it's it's been it's been quite difficult because people have been asking and it's like shit we've you know, there's been pressure to try and get a date out you know mm. uh, and of course we're just trying to get the proposal out in, a, in the right correct way with the right foundation underneath it it's taken us a lot longer to do it than we would really anticipated so and next time we announce something like a claim drop we'll um we'll maybe wait a couple more months you won't announce it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just won't announce it yeah. Just put a post up. Here it is. We <laughs> claim drop. This is the date. Claim drop was last week, guys. Where were you? Yeah, where were you guys? <laughs> you didn't even know about it. What's going on? Yeah, don't 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 worry about it. those of us who follow Leo Finance. We're used to Cal's timeline, and he's starting to compete with Elon Musk. Where it's now Cal time. He says it'll be out in two weeks, and you give it a well. That's about two months translation, yeah. but that's it's a world of development. Man. 
it's difficult to build a new tech because the, the problem the problem is if the community puts too much pressure and someone like Cal releases too early, you're gonna you're gonna end up with mistakes, you know. And that's especially when you're dealing with things like um, finance and and staking and DeFi that he's dealing with. You just don't want that to happen, you know. So it's good that he's able to resist and just say, hey, all right, it's maybe a couple of months, not a couple of weeks, you know. Um, but that's now, it. That's the way these if, things go, you know. If anybody ever wants to understand what the difficulty is in targeting. Go talk to a developer and ask them what their processes are for bringing something out and how long it usually takes and you'll get no idea. It varies and, you know, depends on how many bugs and, you know, they can say it'll be a week and a week later they're still breaking everything. So yeah, that's the sure. way it is. Guys, I appreciate it. I think it's time to wrap this up. And if nobody else has anything else, I think we can sign off here. All right, guys. All right. Yep. yep. Thank you. See you all later. Take care. All the best. Cheers, guys.